Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There's something I just noticed this morning. Remember we were saying last week on the program, we got to the bottom of it. Why you can't use an NHS COVID test for international travel or PCR tests. Just here there this morning, HSE tests not now acceptable for going on your hollybobs either. Uh, they just don't want people going out of the country on the taxpayer's dollar. And of course, the HSE COVID test, if you're sent for one, is free. So you can't be using that to go on your hollybobs. So, again, protecting the taxpayer's money, which is... No harm. Speaking of protecting the taxpayers' money, we're going to keep an idea, or keep an eye rather, on that cabinet meeting. If we get anything out of it uh, during the morning, we'll certainly bring it to you directly. At the moment, the newspaper's full of speculation, much of it close to the bone, I reckon, and close to the truth, that they're going to start cutting the PUP from September. 50 quid off the top rate from September, and that it'll eventually be completely done away with by the spring of 2022. If we get any more from that cabinet meeting, we will certainly bring it to you. 1850-715-996. Good morning. Don't know if you were watching Claire Byrne last night. Uh, I tuned in because I knew that um, Councillor Audrey Buckley was going to be on the show and watched that video from Crosshaven at the weekend. And look, it's great to see people reveling and celebrating and out enjoying the glorious weather. But it's not so much when they go away and they leave the mess after them. And Audrey, you and I have spoken before about the state that uh, your beaches down there, Fennels Bay and Church Bay and Myrtleville and Fountainstown and all those places are left in. But I think this weekend was the worst for a long time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, unfortunately, yes. And look, I just want to say on the offset here that I'm not here to demonise teenagers and that. Absolutely not. I have teenagers myself. I mm. love seeing them out enjoying themselves. Um, my issue here is the litter. Yeah. Um, yesterday from the men's uh, pool here in Church Bay, I think I took about five bags out. The local community guard had the teenagers pick up four bags on Sunday. And I'd say there's about another four or five bags just to come out of that area. And that's from one day. Yeah. Um, I guess where, where I'm coming from is I'm very, very frustrated I would love to see Cork County Council, the guards and Bus Aaron um, have joined up thinking, come together and to see what we can do um, and to help us. There's a lot of communities like us here in coastal areas and we're not getting any help. The volunteers are left to do it all. Mm. Are you supplied with bins down there? No. Um, no, we have older bins in the, in the village that I've been trying to, for years, trying to get updated um, I even last year spoke with Big Belly Bins. I had organised a six-month contract for Cork County Council um, to trial them. Um, they're compactable bins, and mm. unfortunately, Cork County Council said um, no. Mm. I spoke to the chief executive, to Mr Lucy, a few weeks back, and he seems to be of the view 
that the more bins you have, the more litter you will get because people will just abuse them and bring their domestic waste apart from anything else. So if you reduce the number of bins, he believes people will take their stuff home. Now, that's not working. It's not working. And look, that might work in some areas, but also like our bins in the village are over 20 years old. They're not fit for purpose anymore. Pizza boxes, etc. they don't work. The compactable bins would compact down their stainless steel bins and um, that's what other counties are actually getting. Um, I would love to see us even trial them um, to say, no, they're not working for us, you know? Despite what you mean by a compactable bin, it's a solar panel stainless steel bin. So um, it compacts down, it compacts the waste down. Oh, has a mechanism in it, yeah? Yes, it does. It's their solar panels. Um, and they seem to be working very well. They're all over Dublin. Um, and, and I can see the point of not having them everywhere. Look, you could have them in Fountainstown or Merchville and remove them for the the winter time and also the it's a foot pedal so you're not touching the bin so you put your foot and it opens a mm. small opening so you wouldn't be able to get the uh, black bag if people are dumping household waste like the, the the thing with bins and litter is that no matter how many bins you produce there are people who who yes. won't use them there is, and you know, it's so, like the stuff, you should have seen the stuff that we were picking up yesterday on the rocks. I mean, my God, like vodka bottles. I mean, the stuff, it was just ridiculous. A lot of towels, shoes, socks, um, no disregard at all for, for our area. I mean, like I live on the Church Bay Road down and um, we just don't go out at weekends. Yeah. It's that we, bad, is it? It's that bad. I mean, I was getting, my, my whole Sunday was getting videos and texts from local residents in Fountainstown, Myrtleville, Fountainstown. You couldn't get into Fountainstown. On the left and right, people had parked. So God forbid there was an emergency. Yeah. Um, Myrtleville and Fountainstown and Church Bay and that, they wouldn't have um, been able to access. At the best of times, Audrey, Fountainstown is a bottleneck on a sunny day. It is, and we are trying to get the right-hand side. We are trying to get a walk bicycle lane with bollards on the right-hand side just for the safety of the walkers, the mini walkers, and it would stop also be deterrent for people parking there. Um, I would just like to see Cork County Council. I mean, you know, we're all staycationing, and we should have been prepared for this. Yeah. Um, I know Councillor Seamus McGrath had put a motion in in the Southern Committee to try and get litter wardens for weekends. Yeah, like for example, now it's a bank holiday weekend, so presumably the litter wardens clock off at five o'clock on Friday. When will they be back? Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, and to be honest, like we have, I think, one for this area. I'm not really sure how many fines that are given out. Now, I know it's a hard job. And to be honest, that video was taken because the person who was sitting on the beach with the kids so um, our local guard, um, community guard, Steve, who's amazing, um, go down and they heard the kids chanting and that. And he took it because he, for the safety of the guard, because yeah. he was on his own. Now, in ter- the, with the litter wardens, so will clock off Friday yeah. evening until until Tuesday. And look, they're, they're entitled to, they just should, should be weekend staff. When will the van or the truck be down to empty whatever well, is we're, there? Well, we're very fortunate because at, at Cargillai Municipal District, the local engineer has agreed that every morning during the summer months, they will come down and take the bags away. That's the and local volunteers are college, picking. Yeah? And they will do the Saturday. I don't, and Sundays, to be honest, I've seen a guy at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning down there. I'm not sure about yeah. the Monday, 
But um, I have asked that works very well in Wexford for litter patrollers. So they hire students for about 10 hours a week. Yeah. They come out in the morning, do about two hours and, on different beaches, that problem areas. Yeah. Um, I, I have news for you now, Audrey. Yeah. Sunday, and I'm looking at, at the weather apps here now. I take two or three of them into account. Sunday at this point in time is looking like a fairly decent day with only a very slight chance of rain, highs of 19 degrees and bright sunshine. So you're going to have more crowds. Yeah, unfortunately we are. Um, like Church Bay Coastal Care Group is a great group um, and we've just put up signs there, you know, on the beaches yesterday, bring it in, bring it out. We're just appealing to people and to parents to talk to kids and say, look, if you're going down, just bring your, your rubbish home because they all have backpacks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm collecting glass and picking up um, broken glass from all over the beach um, it's just not fair um, on the residents and the volunteers. We're burnt out from it, and it's only the start of the summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, what are we talking about here, Audrey? Are we talking about an improvement required in services? Whether or not Tim Lucy likes the idea, do we just need them? And regardless of the theory, do we need better services? Or do we need people to have a bit more cop on? Or is it a conversation, a, 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 a collection of both, or a... Look, I've been talking to you for years as a volunteer before I became a counsellor. I've been on to you about this. It's not working. We've tried everything and it's not working. What we need is enforcement and we need legislation to be looked at. I think you start finding a few people here on spot fines for littering and that, then I think the word will get out there um, and that hopefully would make a difference. Yeah, because if you look at it, right, take Crosshaven, Myrtleville... <laughs> Fountainstown, that Church Bay, Fennels Bay, that general area. If we were to call that what it is, Audrey, a resort, right? Yeah. Now, lift that beautiful, beautiful resort up out of Cork Harbour and put it into a Spanish harbour with Spanish sunshine and a Spanish summer. You would have people out there at first light seven mornings a week, armies of them, yeah. at first light. But I think it's fund. It all comes down to funding because anytime I'm looking for any of these resources to be put in place, it's always should we pay taxes? Or do we pay a lot of taxes? Yeah. We pay. We, we pay shed loads of taxes to yeah. the council. And I, I agree, and we're, we're paying taxes for residents here. Why should we have to put up with this? And we're losing volunteers because people are so deflated from the whole thing that, you know, maybe we well, would you Would you be honest? I mean, if you've been volunteering for 20 years yeah. out there with your bag and your picking stick at the weekends, doing your best, do you know, would you be bothered your backside when you wake up on a Sunday or a Monday morning and, and it's like there's been a, uh, you know, like someone started reversing, reversing the bin trucks up, up on the beach? Well, the problem with our beaches as well is that they're very difficult to get to. You know, you'd have to be agile enough to get through the cracks. So you would never see council workers down in Fenlis Bay Beach, Church Bay Beach, because they're hard to get to. Um, my my issue is, is um, when I saw that rubbish yesterday, I was nearly crying, but I'm very civic-minded like a lot of people, and I just would hate the tide to wash all that out. Yeah, You're talking 12 bags from one spot. Whoa. That would be out a lot of that plastic, a lot of cans, you know, with that plastic, the, you know, that the rings, that is very, the rings yeah. exactly. Um, uh, we just have to be held accountable because yeah. um, the 220 bus, you know, it's coming down. I mean, the village, I was getting reports that the village last night, the bus was delayed because of traffic. They couldn't get through areas. 
Um, so there was a lot of kids um, around the village waiting for the buses to go back to town. Um, I would just love to see joined up thinking. I'd like to, to see the bus Aaron Cork County Council, the guards sitting at a table and discussing yeah. what measures can be put in place to help and, and that I think is the hard part to, to stomach, that that isn't you talk about the Carrigline Municipal District I lived in Carrigline for 10 years, there's an incredible community and voluntary spirit in Carrigline, Crosshaven, all those general areas, huge community spirit yeah. surely it's time for our civic leaders and the police and the buses to sit down like you say, around a table yeah. Yeah. and sort something out because yeah. if we get a nice summer we have to staycation again. If we get a nice summer, there'll be carnage down there every weekend. There will, and it's all of the, it, there's these three things, it's amalgamation of these three things that are causing the issues. Um, uh, when I send emails in, I'm getting emails back saying, well, you know, that's the guard's issue, or well, that's the litter warden's issue. Um, and that's not good enough. Like, we need help. Um, you know, Crosshaven, we, were, we won April the Sound Towns because it's such a great community of volunteers. Yeah. So we won the National Cavalry's competition, which is amazing for Crosshaven. But now here we are. We'll have three months of this. Yeah, yeah. And look, personal responsibility, I'm always banging on about it. I believe yeah. firmly in it. I believe if you go down, like as we have done ever since the children were as I say, yeah. small and messy, you know, we've anytime we've gone away with the children, we've brought a bag, we bring our wrappers home, we bring our cans home, we bring whatever home. Bring it and put it in your own bin. That's the personal responsibility I was taught to have as a child. I tried to teach my children. Not everybody's got that, but at least if we exercised a little bit, it would help. Yeah, and the parents, please talk to your your kids with they're coming down here. Enjoy the enjoy your day, but let everybody enjoy their day. Yeah. Bring it home with you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, Audrey. Thank you very much, Councillor Audrey Buckley, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. And before anybody starts atting me. Me. I've been in enough resorts in Spain over the years, particularly I'm thinking of, and this is a place that the Lord Mayor Joe Cavanagh knows well, and I'm sure if he's listening, he would agree with me. Alcudia, I think Joe's been there about 14 times. I've been there five or six times. And if you walk down to the beach at Alcudia at just at first light on any given morning of the summer, there is an army of people out cleaning and bagging and sweeping and raking and emptying the bins and filling the bins and washing out the bins every morning at first light. Seven mornings a week. They don't care about the bank hut. They're just out there. Now, fair enough, locals are paying taxes for that. But hey, lads, we're paying taxes too. We're entitled to better. We'll catch up with uh, our man Adam Higgins after 9.30 to find out what's happening in Cabinet with regard to the PUP. Adam has been uh, got a reputation on this programme over the last couple of months of calling it and calling it straight. So we'll catch up with Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun just after 9.30 to see what's happening in Cabinet. 1850-715-996. Now, your list of what's opening, I went through it, and I'll go through it again and again and again. Tomorrow it's hotels, but that's okay. From the 7th, one of the things that will open, as well as the pubs and all that, outdoors, of course, gyms and training and swimming pools and leisure centres are opening, which should be great news, but there's a catch. I'll talk to Shane next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. <laughs> 
The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Smaller says in France they have people employed full time to go around every day to clear up the litter after people. We just need to crack on with it now and put together bigger teams of cleaners for our beauty spots. On personal responsibility, Catherine says nobody drinking will take home their rubbish. If you took off your coat inside in a pub, you'd forget to take it home with you. Again, Catherine, I have seen the opposite to that in Spain on a Sunday, which is family day on the beaches, and they'd be absolutely mobbed, and people drinking, and people eating, and people bringing huge picnic and chair boxes, huge setups. If you've seen a Spanish family set up on the beach, and they don't leave as much as a banana skin after them, so they don't. So they do take the rubbish home. Kevin then says, why are both Aaron responsible? Personal responsibility. Oh, Kevin, writ large in neon writing. Personal responsibility, I agree. And maybe one litter warden as a deterrent. Having an army of people costs money. Again, the taxpayers will be caught to pay for it. There's a thing. Speaking of an army of people, an army of people, would it not be possible to get actually the army to help out with cleaning up? And I... Listen, I know they're busy. I know our soldiers are busy people and hard-working people. But could we, could could the council maybe reach out to Collins' barracks and say any chance you'd supply us with a few soldiers to go down at the weekend and clean up? No, I, we've got to do something here. On the test for travel, Paul says, yeah, I told you last week you can't use the HSE test. You did, Paul, but you're not an official source, my friend, although I do appreciate your message. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Now, next week, Bank Holiday Monday, 7th of June, is where it all really starts to kick off. We know that the outdoor bars and the outdoor restaurant service will commence. We know that 25 people can go to a wedding reception from Bank Holiday Monday, there's so a few more things happening, uh, but gyms, swimming pools, leisure centres can reopen. But there is a catch. Shane Marshall owns Moore & Co in Frankfield. He's been on with me before. Still no actual classes, Shane, and that's a problem for you. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah, look, PJ, actually, on your last point, I know we're on some, a t- totally different subject, but I, I agree with your last caller. I actually live in Cargillane myself, and... Um, yeah, it's it's become a disaster under I assume quite regularly in Murtaville. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's it's um I think look kinda of following on your point there, um personal responsibility and having a bit of you know, general cop on really and having a bit of respect for your country and your county is kinda of where I, I think it comes back to. Mm-hmm. Um you could have all the cleaners in the world but you know, if if you're putting something on the ground, you know you're doing wrong and if you're doing it, you don't really have a lot of respect for your living, as far as I'm concerned, you know. Good man, Shane. Um, Good man, well said. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very important point because Carrick Lane and that, and that area of park at the moment has become a bit of a, you know, a no-go area from the point of view of traffic and, and all the rest of it as well. But uh, no, I was just listening to the last conversation. It was quite interesting. Okay, thank you. Now, yeah. why, the, the reopening on the 7th, the, the limitation is a bother for you? Yeah, look, I suppose, look, we run, what we run, our business model runs off of small group 
personal training are small group classes. We run um, no more than eight people in a class, all socially distanced over three to four metres apart. Mm. And they all have their own equipment for the hour that they train. And they basically get a, a, a personal training session within a small group because we know personal training is so expensive. So we do it in a very, very small group and we coach them to a high standard across the hour. Mm. Um, but like, you know, as I said, it's a big unit, like there's a lot of space, they're well over two and a half thousand square feet, they have a lot of space between each other. So as far as I'm aware, now I'm open to correction on this, of course, and I think you might know better than me, but as far as I'm aware, what they're saying is you can only have one person in the building. Yeah. On a one-to-one basis. Well, one well, the word the word that's used in the official government document, I have it in front of me now, the official government press release, the word is individual. Yeah, see, but it's open. Like, I suppose, that is that open to, I don't know if that's the right word, but is that open to corruption? Like, like... Interpretation, maybe, is a yeah. better word. <laughs> Interpretation, maybe, yeah. But, like, what what is, what is individual training? Like, how do we define that? I suppose our business model is different, right? Like, we... We have a full booking system. You book in for your classes. You're part of a membership. Um, and you book your classes. You come to whatever class you want throughout any day. right? And there's multiple classes throughout every day. But if you're in, we'll say, the normal commercial gym, all right, and say you were in the commercial gym and you paid your membership, and you walk in the door and you go to use the equipment within the facility, and there's multiple facilities like that around Cork, is that classed as individual training? Because you could have a 1,000 people under one roof in as individual training in that case. So, like, where's where's the line on it, you know? Yeah. You know, like, like is, is, it, is it individual training? You can have one person inside the building with one coach, or is it individual training? You can have as many people in there once doing a class. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I can see where you're, you're confused, all right. Yeah, yeah, like, because, like, I know gyms will reopen anything. It's fantastic. People have been crying out for this for so, so long. We actually started doing some outdoor training we actually had to invest in a whole marquee system outside of the, the unit um, and we'd be doing some outdoor training but like it's all outdoors like it's not the same right we know that and we can't rely on the weather even though it's been decent the last few days but like what happens in that scenario can a commercial gym allow as many people as they want in the door and then you have another gym that just those classes but they might only take eight people in. So I could have eight people under my roof, yeah. but the commercial gym next door could have 45. What is your capacity? Gym. If you were able to operate at full whack, what is your capacity? For a class? Yeah. Oh, like eight is my limit because that's what I feel we're do- we're giving a premium service at eight. Okay. If we go above eight, I think the service is let down and we're not giving the product that we're... So in the hour of customers. the class, whatever it might be, you, yeah. you that the eight people receive almost individual coaching from 100%. you in turn. Yeah. This isn't a room of 30 people and you're shouting no, at the top no. of the megaphone. No, 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 no. no. Like if you walked, it, was, it would be like, now, like how, how would I explain it? If you walked into Super Value PGR, you walked into Duns, now they're obviously in a bigger scale, but that kind of structure with high roofs, high ceilings, you know, warehouse style. Doors open, you, ventilation. Yeah. Yeah, and you've eight people inside there. So, like, and they're in there, they're being coached, they all have to wear the masks, they're sanitised, they wear the masks during the class, you know, um, and everything is cleaned, like, you know, like, as I would say to you before, everything is cleaned, like, the nurses, like, the the um, the way the, the midwives would have cleaned the hospital years ago and the nuns. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is, like, the place smells of bleach constantly. So, like, it, it, it is like, but I yeah. think it's great, right? And, 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 and that standard, I actually, I think, will stay. Yeah. And I think that's so, a good thing this moment. I'm looking into the rest of the document now, Shane, and I'm looking into the July 
and there's no mention personal fitness yes yeah uh, in july the 5th uh, indoor training exercise and dance can recommence in pods of up to 6 yeah uh, and that's in that's in July, and then into August. There's no mention of it in August, but just says indoor and outdoor yeah, further increases in numbers. But at the moment, you're looking at classes of no more than six in on the fifth mm. of July. Exactly. To read like, it strictly. It's, it's crazy. Like it's been drawn out and out and out longer and longer and longer. And it's like you know, where do we go with this? We need to get back to action with people, you know, mm. in a proper capacity. But yeah, like I, I just, I just need some understanding on it because I don't know where that stands. Like if I, like I. I swim quite regularly, as I said, Jen. If I go to the swim pool, there can, like, there will be more than 15 to 20 people in the swim pool at one time when the swim pool's open. There won't be one person in the swim pool. True. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. So, like, it's just, yeah, like, it's the clarity on it. But I think maybe, like, maybe your Department of Public Health might be worth a call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, we, like, as I said, whoever makes the decisions, PJ, on these things, whoever makes the decisions about gyms, and what gyms look like and how they will reopen, they clearly don't know anything about the fitness and health and fitness industry. They really don't. You, you do wonder who they consulted, I suppose. They don't because like, they don't understand that you know every health and fitness-based business is different. Mm. They're set up in different ways. They offer different products. Some yeah. are commercial, some are class-based, some are PT-based. And they need to understand that, that you know, if they want the economy to get back up and running and want all of us to get back helping people, you need to allow like okay. gyms to just open, you know. Okay, we will see where where it goes, Shane. At the moment, you're you're confused. I would suggest, if I were you, a, a call to the to the public health department. If if I have any political head on that's talking about these things, I will try and clarify it for mm-hmm. you because mm-hmm. it is. I mean, eight people in the huge premises you have, and you're walking yeah. around in between them. Yeah. That effectively is eight people training individually. You're just walking around it helping It's like you could have eight people inside the commercial gym using treadmills standing next to each other. What is the difference? I just, Fair point. They've kind of, they're, they're honing in on the word class. Um, and I think, you know, you need to understand what a class means. What we do is it's a one-to-one level within a class within yeah. an hour. Your classes are extremist. You know. well, maybe limit the numbers in a class, perhaps, but you're, you're, yeah. that, uh, give you more clarification. That's very good. Thank you, Shane. Shane Marshall from Moran Co. in Frankfield. It says, the official, and I decided to print this off so that we have official government statements to go to, the official document, the government.ie post-cabinet resilience and recovery, the path ahead, etc., etc. Gyms, swimming pools, leisure centres, individual training only on the 7th of June, which is Bank Holiday Monday. But as Shane says, what constitutes individual? Is that just one person in the building at the same time? Or what? 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Welcome along to the programme. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. There is a petition among the residents and the school-going families of uh, 
Churchfield for a pedestrian crossing at Skull Padre Pio. Trina Dunlee is a parent and involved in the petition. Trina, good morning to you. Hey, how are you? Describe for me again, for someone who wouldn't be familiar, where is Skull Padre Pio exactly? Okay, so it's um, it'd be the top of um, Sun Valley Drive. You're going up to Column Kill Road and then you'll see Skull Padre Pio on your right-hand side. Um, there's a lovely park there, the Jerry O'Sullivan Memorial Park yeah. is just there as well. Gotcha. So it's a, it's a fine, big main road, you know. A busy and road. Yeah. A very busy road and all the traffic coming down, say, from Holly Hill and going to the schools in the morning would all use that road. And where our school is located is... At on a crossroads, like <laughs> the entrance to it is on the crossroads, so you have traffic coming from four directions mm. at any one time. And there's no crossing point for children and their parents going in and out at all? No, there's not on that side, okay, so we're on the Gronabraha side. Obviously on Churchfield, the school is, is technically a Churchfield school, there is a lollipop lady, mm. um, but in order for, our, for us to access that, we would have to cross the main road and another road to get to the lollipop lady, if you know what I mean. It kind of defeats um, the purpose. Yeah, and as well as that, it's not just for the school. The entrance to the park is just next to it. So, you know, we have a very busy, lovely um, park there that uh, there's no safe pedestrian crossing to either, you know. Right, right. Now, you're carrying collecting a petition. I think you've three or four hundred names collected this at this stage and you want the, the council to, to put in a pedestrian crossing. Yeah, so we, we kind of, do you know, a few parents had been trying to get this going for a long time, you know, had been asking different counsellors and things like that, and all the parents crossing there were given out and whatever, and I just said last, last week, the week before, I said, do you know, we might try an online petition, get a bit of notice. So um, we had a name of 200 signatures, and within, and within 24 hours we had, so we have over 350 now. Mm. And um, then, um, kindly, uh, our local Sinn Féin guys here, um, Kenneth Collins and McNugent, they agreed to take the petition on our behalf to the City Hall and to raise the for us. So it's kind of got a bit of momentum going, which, you know, we were delighted with. Yeah. So is it going to come before Council, before the before the summer recess? Yeah, well, as far as I know, yeah, the motion has been brought um, and I know there's resurfacing works planned for over on that side of the road um, so hopefully we can get included in that, you know. Yeah. Uh, it would be great to just see it finally happening. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose the, wor- the worrying thing is, like, how long is this going to take? Will it take... And, it's just, I, I remember long ago when people in Sun Valley Drive prote- they, protested. They had a sit-in, that's right. They did. Uh, over, uh, no, no, it was, I don't think it was a traffic issue, but, but it was about the safety of their children. You wonder, like, does it take an accident involving a child for something well, to be done? We have traffic calming on it. So, like, the speed bumps, say, further down from the school and further up. But it's not even... It's, it's the sight lines are our problem because cars parked on on both sides of the road and on the corner so you've kids crossing in between cars and yeah. bug, and you know buggies coming out so it's more we need traffic to stop we need a pedestrian crossing and the thing is if this isn't the first time it's been brought up as i said i was talking to a neighbor this morning and she told me one of the ladies on the road said for years she's been asking people knocking at the door canvassing to get across in there you know yeah so it's it's a long time coming now. Okay. Well, we'll see where it goes. Petition is, is collected and it's coming before council. We'll see where it goes. That's uh, Trina, uh, Trina Dunley, who's a parent at uh, Skull Padre Pio in Churchfield. They have the lollipop lady on the grand side, but the Churchfield side, they've got no pedestrian crossing. And to get to the, to get to the lollipop lady, they have to cr- cross the dangerous roads. In question, 1850-715-996. Let us look briefly at what is likely to happen in Cabinet today. Now, we heard 
uh, was in your newspapers this morning, it's been in the early morning news, that the PUP, the €350, the top rate of that is 350 still. And that is likely to be cut from September. And one of the newspapers is reporting this morning that the whole lot will be gone by the spring of 2022 and that there's going to be some kind of an economic package announced, I assume, by Minister Michael McGrath because public spending is his is his gig over the next couple of days. But let's go to Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun, man who's been calling it for us now for the last few months and, and rarely far off the mark. Adam, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yes, you you were right there that um, the top rate of 350 uh, euro looks like it's going to come down by 50 euro in September, and then there'll be a three-phase cut to all levels from September. So 50 in September, 50 somewhere in November, and then the final cut then in February, which will uh, the government is hoping to see that PUP payment uh, as a thing in the past, hopefully all going well COVID-wise. Because it's costing an absolute fortune, isn't it? It is indeed. At the moment, I think the the top bill for the for the pandemic unemployment payment alone is seven point seven billion overall. And even now, at the moment, I mean, there's twenty five thousand people a week coming off it as the the country starts to reopen. But we still have north of three hundred thousand people uh, really relying on that PUP support, and it's. it's been really a lifesaver for a lot of people through this pandemic and it's something that I think will be much more difficult to unwind than it was to set up for the government. Because they set it up quickly to get money into into people's pockets to cover essential expenses. And you had a situation, Adam, at one point where somebody, and I know this, my, my daughter, for example, was working part-time in a shoe shop at the time. She had eight hours in the week, two, two four-hour shifts at the weekend. And she got 350 quid do you know, now she got another job as soon as the shoe shop closed and she never needed to use it, but it was there for her. Other people, one shift in a pub, they got 350 quid initially. So getting, 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 unwinding that's going to be far more difficult. It will indeed, and something the government has been keen to point out, it's kind of been a mantra in Leinster House throughout all this, is that speed trumps perfection. And I think when it was Minister Donoghue at the time who was setting the, the PU put up initially during the last government before Fianna Fáil uh, and the coalition took charge and he said that he just needed to get money into people's hands immediately because it was the government that were shutting down all these business places that were telling people they can't go to work so they needed to get money into people's hands immediately and that kind of is where that blunt instrument came in of the 350 euro that you're talking about for across the board regardless and then a more nuanced version came in during this government where there was the phases of the 250, some people were on, some people were on 300, and some people were on 350. But this will all be phased out now over these three steps mm. as the, the the next year or so goes on. But I think it'll be interesting to see now what the government's response to questions is today when it's uh, when we ask, like, what happens if, if the restrictions have to come back in? Because at the moment they're closing this payment off to every all new entrance from July, so from next oh. month. But if the uh, new restrictions have to come in, what happens to those people who have to go back who lose their jobs because of restrictions? Yeah. Will the PUP reopen and at what rate? And that'll be interesting to see what the, the answer to those questions are. There's also the old balancing act, Adam, isn't there to be played here between economic sense and political quicksand? Yes, you're right. And I think something you're going to see today is this. The government has been talking about this National Economic Recovery Plan, which is essentially how they're going to manage the books to get us out of this COVID crash. And we 
spoke to the Tonishta at the weekend uh, on Sunday while he was out canvassing for the Dublin-based South by-election. And he said that the government are planning to go for broke now in, in a bid to avoid uh, a worse uh, economic situation that carries out over years. So you're going to see a multi-billion euro plan announced today. So almost a billion of that comes from the European Recovery Fund and then multiple billions from ourselves, which will see the creation of what the government is hoping, tens of thousands of jobs, and it will also see... Uh, sustained supports for businesses to keep them open and try to get them back employing the mm. workers that they had before the pandemic, but more workers on top of that again. How likely is it the taxes will go up, Adam? We remember the so-called temporary USC that we're all still paying. How, how, how realistic is it that taxes might go up here? Well, from what I understand, speaking to um, people involved in this last night, is that the measures being introduced today is to um, is to try and avoid a need for tax increases at any stage during this recovery. So the government's plan is not to increase income taxes or anything like that, any unforeseen taxes. Now, we know the, the likes of the carbon tax and that were planned to go up over the next few years, but the, the money in your pocket in the income tax, their plan was to not increase that at all. So they're, what they're going for instead is to try flush uh, the economy with money, with state money, borrowed money, in a bid to restart the economy and get it back roaring again to where it was hmm. before the pandemic. And the taxes and created by that would pay the debts. Gotcha. Exactly, gotcha. that would balance the books then. All right, okay. Adam, thank you. As always, a regular on the opinion line for the last couple of months, Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun, a young man that calls it straight. And I tell you something, he's got a very good track record on this programme at least. So what they're going to do, they're going to phase out the PUP by the spring of next year, uh, they're going to cut it 50-50-50 and then phase it out by the spring of next year. No new entrants after July of this year. And then this National Economic Recovery Plan to be announced, I'm assuming by, I'm assuming by Michael McGrath or possibly a combination between himself and, and, and Pascal Donoghue will announce it in the next couple of days. We'll have to watch where it goes, but you got the whole thing between economic sense, which you have to make and political quicksand which you can easily fall into. We'll see where it goes. 1850-715-996 Coming up shortly. Yeah. We have a lot of winner in Cork. Did you by any chance go into a little shop in Myrtler at the weekend and get your your ice cream and your tin of coke bottle of water? And did you get a, a lot with it? I'd be checking that ticket if I were you. 9, 15, 28, 34, 39, 46, and a bonus number of 26. They were the numbers that on Saturday night were worth 2,000, 2,469,871 yo-yos. And someone walked into the shop in Myrtleville on Saturday and bought a ticket, a quick pick, that had those numbers on it. Paul O'Connell owns the shop. Fierce excitement, Paul, altogether. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's great, though, isn't it? Happy times. So, wait, do you get a call from the lotto, do you? No, a guy came into the shop yesterday, said, I'm from the lotto, and I says, uh, only if you walk in, he says, I wouldn't have believed the phone call, I said. Right. Because uh, there's so many scams going around, they said I'd have probably fell for it. Smart man, smart uh, man. But, uh, yeah, he came in, he says, uh, you've sold a winning ticket. And I was just flabbergasted. Mm. Do, do you know what time it was sold? No, he, he told me nothing about that. 
and I didn't go investigate either. Right. And I kind of leave it to a surprise, and at least when I tell people I don't know who it is, I actually don't know who it is. Yeah. Would you have much lotto sales down there? I would have a nice, um, you'd have uh, the locals, and then you'd, um, I was busy for the weekend, so there was been um, a bit of trade out of them as well, you know? Yeah. How so, busy were you Saturday? It was a, it wasn't as nice a day as Sunday, but it was nice all the same. It was nice, yeah. There was people around, and Sunday was jammed as well. Like so, um, yeah. It may have been um, one of those, and maybe in local. Um, of course, we're hoping it's local, and it's somebody who needs it, and you know, yeah. this kind of way. Like, yeah, yeah. It is, it is a, a fantastic amount of money for for anybody. So, so no one has come in to you and said, "Jesus, Paul, I think it's me. Can you check it for me?" <laughs> No, not yet. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, yeah, you, you get a few quid as well, don't you? For you that. do, you do. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, you pay income tax on it, but uh, at least you get a, a lump of money in a right, right. Uh, have you have you staff there, Paul, or is it just yourself? It's just myself and Tony, a girl that comes in with me um, as well. Right, right. You, and just on other things, I mean, were, were you were you tearing busy the weekend? Yeah. The, the the weekend was uh, full on. Yeah. Um, the beach was packed, and you know it was uh, one of those good days. Yeah. But it's uh, it's just a good news story, you know. And, uh, you know, and there's not been so much of it around. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. everybody this morning is uh, dreaming how they were going to spend the two point four million. Like you know. I know. And there's a few there's a few houses on the walk over there from past bunnies over back to yeah, Fountainstone. The like, road, yeah. They'd, they'd take a chunk of it. 1.8 million, the latest one is for sale for... I saw it. It's an absolute gorgeous place, isn't it? Like? Yeah, just cover it and you'll have enough to buy uh, probably a small bit of furniture to put into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, it's cool, yeah. Yeah. Come here, with the, with the reopening and stuff, like, uh, I'm, I think people can go to their people can go to their caravans and their holiday chalets and stuff now. Do you have many people that would come down to, to Myrtle for the summer? Um, you do have a share, but what has happened in the last 20 years, people that have had summer houses have developed them into actual houses and sold up in Cork and moved on full-time. Yeah, yeah. Property has got uh, expensive for own, so um, it's been worth it, like, you know? Yeah. And commuting has got easier, and working from home has got easier. Yeah. So what you have nowadays really is a more settled community or a bigger community during the winter yeah. and less visitors during the summer because... When we started here, it, um, it was very quiet and it was hugely busy then during the summer, like, you know. What would you do yourself if you it was your own quick pick? Oh, Christ. Um, I wouldn't buy that house in the coast road anyway for one. <laughs> it's been Barbados or somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Paul, yeah, listen, yeah. Well, congratulations and, yeah. and, and take care. And we'll see we'll see you for over, over over the summertime at some stage down in Myrtleville. Thanks very much. That's Paul O'Connell from the supermarket there in Myrtleville. Uh, selling, seller of the winning lottery ticket at the weekend. 9, 15, 28, 34, 39, 46. The numbers and the bonus, 26. Now, I, I was thinking about this one a um, little bit of fun that incredible song that Elvis song right Mr. and Ross Brown were having a, a conversation here one morning last week when it was on the lottery ad and we were saying do you know if there was one artist living or dead that you could see for me it would be him for me it would be Elvis one ticket to one show for the rest of your life one artist 
living or dead. It would be the incredible Elvis Presley. Others would say, KC said, oh, without a doubt, Freddie Mercury. Now, I saw Freddie Mercury, and I can see why. So, for you, for a bit of fun on this Tuesday morning, you can have one ticket to one artist for one show. We'll give you two tickets and bring someone. For the rest of your life, who would it be? The one artist for one show for the rest of your life, we'll give you two tickets. Who would they be? Just for fun on 083 396 96 96. I'd say Elvis. Terry says Bette Midler. I imagine Fergal might be something along the lines of Depeche Mode, but we'll see. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. 25, 26 degrees in the UK today. And as I look out the window here at Studio One Broadcasting House, there's a kind of a haze. You'll see it on the hill up by the airport it's hazy up there if that cloud could burn off it doesn't look like it will but if that cloud could burn off we'd be Scorchio we would be Scorchio which would be great for the 1st of June first day of summer don't be arguing with me don't even go there you won't win that argument first day of summer first day of June meteorological summer and uh, let's hope it improves for the weekend weather wise but if it does a member of Neffet has expressed concern, serious concern, about the gatherings that she saw last weekend. We're talking about gatherings in places like Crosshaven, the huge gatherings in Dublin, gatherings here in Cork, gatherings in Galway. Not so much people getting out and about together in the sunshine, as we're told we should do, and it's much safer. But huge on-street gatherings, the likes of which we saw, particularly in Dublin, but we saw them here in Cork at the weekend. Seems at the weekend where people are out enjoying themselves in the sunshine in small groups that are measured and don't involve a lot of mixing are all perfectly fine. It's the big groups where there's a lot of alcohol and people are moving between groups and doing that over a number of hours. They're super spreader events just waiting to happen and there's a certain element now of brace ourselves to see do the, the numbers rise this week and particularly after the bank holiday weekend. That is the voice of Dr. Mary Favier who's COVID-19 advisor to the Irish College of General Practitioners and as I said Mary, a member of NEFET, good morning to you. Good morning. Where is the concern from, like... Could we realistically find ourselves back in a January situation or or would it be that bad? General practitioners are concerned that we really could get back to December, January if we're not careful. And the first thing is to say, I mean, it's absolutely understandable why why people, everybody, not just the young ones, want to go out. There's huge pent-up demand. We've got the fine weather. There's a sense of optimism. There's vaccination. And that's great. And I think that would be really recognised as, as a really important thing. And we need to make that a really positive thing. The concern is is when it takes off. 
and when there's very substantial mixing across groups. And we all know the reality is when you put alcohol into the mix, people's very alcohol is a disinhibitor. It makes us less inclined to pay attention. We, we, we're not on our guard. And, and so we forget things. We forget that we're, we're not wearing our masks. We forget that we're handling other people's bottles or glasses. We forget that we're touching door handles. Uh, you know, we're not sanitizing our hands. We're forgetting our distance. And that's the reminder that we just need to be so careful in the next number of weeks. When you say we could get back to December, January, I I would hope against hope we would never go back to the level of death or serious illness. Yes, that's that's an important point. Is that possible? No, I don't think we would. I think there's an important difference here now between infection with COVID, COVID virus and disease from COVID virus. And we've seen the hugely benefit effect of vaccination. The, the numbers of, of you know, hospital admissions and ICU is just really, really dropped. And that's because our vulnerable groups are now vaccinated. And the vast majority of COVID illness is in those you know, under the age of 35. And our vaccination rate has now come down into the mid 40s. So we would never expect to go to go back to those high rates. However, if vaccination is not perfect, 95% effectiveness, it's great, but that's still one in 20 people vaccinated who don't get the benefit of vaccination. And if we have really high numbers in the community, it will overwhelm even our good vaccination rates. And inevitably, even some of the young people will start to get significantly ill, end up in hospital and have things like long COVID, which is proven the problem. Yes. Yes, and that's a serious problem among young people. We, we watched, Mary, over the last 12 or 15 months, this statistical link, as it were, between infection, hospitalisation and ICU and, unfortunately, mortality. Looking at the data from where you have a good vaccination programme, like, say, here, say, Israel, say, the UK, that statistical link, link appears to be on the, ver- on the point of being broken. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think we're getting an uncoupling. And so this is a disease where where if you can be protected against it in the older age groups or those with very significant illness, uh, you, you really can make a difference to how many people get seriously ill. But it's really important to, for people to realise that it's, it's not everybody and it isn't perfect. And the, the reality is if enough, particularly younger people, get, get COVID, they will inevitably bring it home to somebody who might be vaccinated but not have got the benefits of vaccination. So we just need to be really careful there. And while our vaccination rate is really good and it's working very hard and fast, we have potential supply problems on the horizon. We may not get as much of it towards the end of June as we wish, and that could cause issues. And the modelling is very much looking at, as you drive vaccination forward, the pressure against that is is the the infection of COVID, but particularly with this Indian variant now called the Delta variant. And that's really, really infectious. And now the majority variant in the UK again. And unfortunately, what happens in the UK tends to follow here about six weeks later. So we're looking at a big pressure point, particularly, say, into the early middle part of July. And we need our vaccination rate to be ahead of that curve. And if it's not, we could have problems. The the Delta or Indian variant is, of course, the, the dominant of the UK, like you correctly said. We, do we know yet whether it is over the border in the north, where their vaccination programme is ahead of ours? Is it in the bar, is it in the north yet? Yes, it's present in Northern Ireland in very small amounts, uh, but still it's there. Uh, it, we've had a number of cases in in the, in the south as well. 
again in very small amounts and being picked up and very carefully followed by public health uh, and, and the vast majority of them travel related but we, we do need absolute vigilance because as things open up uh, particularly in Northern Ireland we, we, we're going to have potentially a move down to the south and we could be back to, to square one now I doubt if it's truly a square one but still it, I just think we'd just all be so dispirited if it happened. We, we need to proceed with great caution, do we not? Like we've, I've got the, the, the government document in front of me here now, the, the 7th of June, the 5th of July, the 19th of July, and then consideration for August. You've obviously read that, and, and as a member of NEF, it would have been partially involved in putting it together, Mary. Is there a danger of going too fast and getting overexcited? There is, and all, all the government reg, you know, suggestions about the opening up are all with the proviso that things stay the same and we can maintain our infection rate. And the, the, the Indian Delta variant is the big factor that we, we, we can't legislate for or govern for. But so it's then all down to what we do ourselves. And that's keep your gatherings outside, keep them small. And people are doing, you're doing yes. that in terms of the, the most, part small, are, yeah. Yeah. most particularly get vaccinated. If you have any opportunity, it doesn't matter which vaccine you're offered, get it straight away as fast as you can. But then wash your hands, wear a mask, keep your alcohol intake down, particularly in those types of environments, knowing that our judgments aren't always good. And take it week by week and say, okay, if we can just get through the bank holiday now, we'll have another sense of what's happened with all the gatherings this week. Do we have such issues of super spreader events? I, I would think hopefully not, but it's just a note of caution. And, and we're nearly there. It would be such a pity to squander it now. And we know what squandering feels like. That's what happened in December and January, and, mm. and none of us want to go there again. Lastly and briefly, because I know you need to be somewhere, Mary, on the vaccinations, I spoke yesterday briefly with Sam O'Conkey about this idea that some of the people who just got one dose of AstraZeneca, and then we know the supply chain issue with the AZ, where would you stand and where would GPs stand on maybe giving them a second dose of Moderna or Pfizer? Well, I think all the evidence is now that giving giving booster doses of a different type of vaccine is, is appropriate and gives good results. So we, the, our NIAC is, is now looking at that and how we would operationalize that and actually do that in general practice. But from a GP point of view, we could absolutely do that and do that quite quickly and easily. So as GPs, we've done the over 70s now almost completely. We've, we're, we're almost finished in our practice last week. Our high risk groups, we came to the end of that. We're going to be giving them a second dose in four weeks time. And so, yes, we could start that mop-up program but a pathway needs to be established because it, it needs to get logged onto the national system it needs to be valid for your covid certificate potentially a travel passport so it's not just a thing of willy-nilly giving people second doses we'd have to have timelines and the appropriate documentation but it can be done absolutely. all right, all right. appreciate your time i know it's short thank you very much dr mary favior who's a member of neffet and she is the covid19 advisor to the irish college of general practitioners they're all saying the same lads be careful can we just be careful here I mentioned it yesterday morning like the train left Dublin with us on it to get to Cork Cork is the symbol of if you want our lives back we're coming down through Port Leash and Ballybrophy and all those strange places in the Midlands and we're now kind of in Mallow we're pulling into Mallow and Mallow is the last stop, and we might have to change a train for Kerry or that kind of for, no, that kind of thing. But then the last run is from Mallow into Cork, and just it's just an analogy. Leave me alone. It's just an analogy. 
do we really want to hit and be thrown into a siding as we come in towards the tunnel into Blackpool and get caught up in that? Do we really? We just need to be so, so careful. Caller says in 2020, there were 631 more deaths than in 2019. Every single one a tragedy, but this doesn't seem to be consistent with 5,000 COVID deaths. The easily explained caller, and Sam McConkie did that yesterday, the, the deaths even out. So what you get from the CSO was a, an evening out. But if you look at this January, for example, we had a huge surge in extra deaths. If you look at the first wave, we had a huge surge in extra deaths. But then it averages out because other things didn't happen during the year. A lot of no, people didn't die of flu. Flu practically disappeared because of the health regime we put in place to avoid COVID. So this trope that's put out there by some of the people who would like to play down this global pandemic, this ridiculous trope, all oh, the CSO figures didn't go up at all. There's two reasons for that. One, they're an average. And two... We did a bloody good job as people in staying away from each other, in washing our hands, in wearing our masks, in doing what we were asked to do. So if the numbers haven't gone through the roof, it means we did a bloody good job in keeping them from doing that. But that's just one of the tropes that they're putting out there to try to convince you that, that this is a scare story. And it's, it's let's, let's call it what it is. It's bullshit. 1850 Opinion line on Corks 96 FM with Dairy Made Premium Spread 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Looking at some of your artists, uh, hang on, I dropped all my notes. Sorry, <laughs> looking at some of the artists that you'd want to see, I'll come to them in a minute. We said, and let's bring it right down, right? This weekend, June weekend, we'll give you two tickets to see any artist of your choice, dead or alive. One, it's the only concert you can go to for the rest of your life. So one artist or one group, dead or alive, existent or extinct, two tickets, and we give them to you. Who would that be? 83, 396, 96, 96. It's very predictive. It's very predictable. Very predictable. I took a spin one Sunday recently down to Ballycotton, down to... uh, Ballyandrine and or Bally, Balliand, and and all those general uh, that lovely lovely beach which the name has gone out of my head again but the, the lovely beach on Bally Cotton and we took a walk down uh, to see where this boat is the MV Alta and we walked to see you can see it from the from the mountains over and it's just a beautiful beautiful place but I was I was showing the the Queen Bee and 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 the boy where this boat is and I was telling herself the story. And she was asking me the very, very simple question. Like, somebody's got to own this damn thing. Can they not get it out of there? Because, and she made the point, and she's absolutely right, another bad storm, and it'll break up, and then we're faced with a bill to clean it up. Senator Tim Lombard, good morning. Good morning. Tim, Tim, the big problem with this MV Alta is we have the power to charge the owners to clean it up, but we don't know who owns it. Yeah, and that's basically it. Um, and I think, look, this is the kind of extreme case, you know, and I think it's brought it all into perspective. We've cases littered all over the state, all over the actual coastline, literally ships and vessels small and big left around the place rotting away. 
And I think this kind of proves the point that we do have a huge problem when it comes to lack of legislation, lack of a fund, lack of power for our local government to do something about it. And I realised this last week in the Senate, and I had the Minister for Heritage brought before the Senate actually talk about this issue and talk about the broader issue, what we're going to deal with. And to be perfectly honest, after the debate, I was more frustrated than I was going into it because we have a massive issue regarding how we're going to fund these projects, how they're going to be cleaned up, and we don't have any strategic long-term plan. And it comes down to this entire thing. If we can't find the owner, well, what do we do? And that is the ultimate issue. And with this vessel, we seem to can't find the owner. I mean, he's disappeared. Mm. And there's no insurance bond there. There's no nothing there. And it comes back to the actual local authority at some level to deal with it. And yeah. Like, reminding people briefly of the history of it, built in 1976, it was on its way from Greece to Haiti in October 2018. Engines failed in the middle of the Atlantic. Crew were rescued by the Coast Guard. And then it was just left abandoned, drifting, and then blown in here on Storm Dennis in February of last year. It's in an atrocious condition. Now, I think they've taken fuel and stuff out of it, but it's still in an atrocious condition. But surely when it was at sea, Tim, in, in 2018, in the Caribbean, it had an owner. Can we not find that person? Yeah, you'd assume the logic would dictate that if you had a crew and if you had a vet, if you had a... They were working for going, somebody, like... They were working for someone. They were going in the direction and literally engines failed. It was a vet from a generation and there was probably maintenance issues, I'm not too sure, but they literally were rescued by the US Coast Guard and then the owner vanished. And it drifted for 500 miles and eventually... Because like there's not an insurance policy on it at the time. Yeah, and the insu- like that's how this should play out. But look, I do think this is the extreme. Like you go down to Kinsale, down to the site of the old Western Bridge, there's a vessel tied up in the pier yeah, 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 decade. And like the wall of the actual pier has been pulled into the sea at the moment. And it's the exact same scenario. We can't, well, the owner has is deceased. The estate of the owner has not the money to pay for it. And it's literally pulling the wall of that um, pier into the actual sea itself. And that happens around this coastline, not along West Cork, but around Ireland itself. And because of that, the lack of legislation, the lack of a real understanding of how we're going to deal with it is a huge issue here in Dublin. And like, well, I, like, I was very frustrated after my conversation with the minister because there doesn't seem to be any plan. And I mm. actually, I described it as akin to actually leaving abandoned cars and houses fixed. And yeah. talk about, and like that's how I describe what we have at the moment. We literally have nothing more, nothing less than abandoned vessels around our actual estate, no policy to deal with it. And then we're talking about sea litter, and it's a really important issue, and I really think it is. But when you talk about sea litter and taking the plastic out of the sea, and you're leaving vessels rot in the sea and have no policy for it, mm. I think we're really missing the point here. So, like, no, it would cost, to be fair, it would cost, if we were to take it on board and do it, it would cost about $10 million, yeah. And that would be at the taxpayer's expense. But if you had a car crash tomorrow morning, if you weren't insured, there's a liability on the insurance company to actually cover your liability to some degree. Like, where does the actual marine authorities themselves step into the arena to actually take care of vessels that aren't insured, that haven't got a registered owner, that haven't got the ability to actually move a vessel when it runs aground like this. Like, I actually think the industry itself has to step up here. I think the industry is a huge issue because it would be unfair on a local authority the size of Cork County, which coastline it has, 
to be caught for every vessel that actually runs aground that we can't find the owner because they don't want to clear it and they run away. So the industry has to... But isn't there an international, some yeah. kind of international maritime registry, Tim? How much work has been done to actually find the owner here? Does anybody know? Well, talking to the department, we were only talking to them yesterday about this. They've told us that they've done it. they've done as much as they can to find this owner. But we have issues that we haven't signed up to a charter in 07, which is a part of just international charter to help us become in line with all these other marine activities or marine kind of laws. Yeah. So when it comes to the marine side of things, I think there's an awful lot of work to be done in legislation. There's an awful lot of work to be done to help and to sustain our marine life itself. But the big issue here is that I don't sorry, right now, so then the big issue here is that the government need to actually have a real focus. Otherwise, these ships will be all over the county. Well, I know, I know that's your that's your bell. The the the, 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 the big worry, Tim, and I let you go on it because I know you got to run. That we are going to come into the winter time, and we're, if we get another storm, oh, yeah. Dennis, there'll be bits of that boat all over Ballycotton. Yeah, you're literally one or two big storms away from that thing disintegrating. And then we're going to have an issue that we had in Bantry many years ago as a child where you have a boat sinking. Yeah. And that'll be a huge issue for our environment, our economy, and the entire Bally Cotton area itself. But look, unless things change, unless we've joined up between the departments, the industry and local government, we'll have these ships all over the Linton pressure of the actual country and nothing to the bottom. OK, leave it there because I know you've got to go to the House. Thank you very much. That's Senator Tim Lombard, the NBL. I sit down for a proper look at it, like I said uh, recently, and it was a gorgeous afternoon, lovely sunny afternoon, not, not a whole pile of wind, but what wind was there was coming in off the sea and you could clearly see the waves washing in towards the MV Alta from where I was you can really not see the tip of it you can't get right down into it unless you're prepared to walk across private land and stuff like that but like if another storm Dennis or God forbid another Ophelia were to come crashing to shore like they did in the last few years that thing would be taken and broken up like a matchbox and there'd be bits of it everywhere and then we'll be wondering how did that happen? There you go. 1850-715-996. Some of your suggestions. My mom's favourite singer was Mario Lanza, says Janice. Oh, my goodness. That's one. Derry will love you for that. Uh, it has to be Elvis, definitely, says... Uh, uh, Jaron Mallow says Edith Piaf. Kerry says Little Mix. Deirdre Roy Orbison. Jan Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Tracy, I was looking... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. To see Queen in Wembley in 86, I was 15. But the King would be my ultimate concert. Shona Marilyn Monroe. Oh, what an entertainer she was. Frank says Luke Kelly. Uh, Dennis says Phil Linnett. Kim, my idol, Celine Dion. And another one, Freddie, all day long. Saw him once, best and most entertaining performance ever. I had the... Ah, listen, I saw... I saw saw Freddie in Slane with the Bengals and Chris Rhea on the same bill. And to this day, the best gig, the best afternoon I ever spent in the sunshine. So we'll give you two tickets to any gig for any artist or any band, dead or alive, for this weekend. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I know it's fantasy, fantasy football. Um, oh, eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Who would it be? Like I said, with me, it's it's a toss up. I think Elvis definitely. I think would be the first choice. And go with your first choice. Always go with your first choice. Elvis. If Elvis was sold out, Abba. But I think Elvis. So oh eight three. Take them for a while. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Triscoll are working with Music Network to invite professional musicians with a strong track record in music performance to apply for a new artist residency at the venue. Further information can be found at Triscoll Arts center.ie As part of Cork Midsummer Festival composer John O'Brien has composed a lullaby for the city intended to bring comfort to people of all ages in the time of the pandemic and John and an orchestra made up of some of Cork's finest musicians will travel to communities across the city to perform the lullaby live for those residents Access All Areas Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.com Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, there's a good one. Anyone know what's happening with the passport office? Uh, there's going to be huge queues when they open. I know you can do it online. But I don't trust it, especially after the HSE hack. Well, I can see where you're worried there, caller, about the HSE hack. But I just one of the journalists, I think Shane Beesey from News Talk, was tweeting at the weekend that he had to renew his passport, and he got it online for in about four days, quick as a flash. And remember that your passport has nothing to do with the HSE, so I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. You'll have it in a few days if you go and do it online. Unless, of course, it's a new one that's a bit more complicated. But if you just want to renew your passport and it's an adult passport and there's no issues with it, be online, you get it in a couple of days. I got... The last time I did it, I did it for I did it for, for my son in, in 2019. He needed a new password passport and it was like, what, three days? 
Four days. 1850-715-996. I first came across this illness a few years ago when a friend of mine's mother had it and explained to me what it was. And then I discovered it one of the most common conditions in Ireland. There's nearly 20,000 people walking around with this condition and they don't even know they have it. And it's chronic and it continues for life and it can be very damaging if you don't do something about it. I'm talking about hemochromatosis or as they call it, iron overload, where I think your body can't dispose of iron. Councillor Damien Boyling, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Is that what it is? Your body can't dispose of or process iron? Exactly. I suppose, look, just a quick definition. Hemochromatosis is a genetic disorder. So there's an excessive amount of iron absorbed from your diet. So we all know where the iron comes from. It comes from your steak. It comes from your green vegetables. It comes from your pointy Guinness. Um, I'm not saying this should not be a point again, of course. Uh, but the excess is then deposited in your organs, so your liver, your pancreas, your heart, and your joints, but mainly the liver. So mm. that's, that's the danger point for you. So, like, your liver naturally stores iron for, for providing new red blood cells with iron, you know, and that's vital for your health. But when this becomes an excess, and when, when excess quantities are stored in the liver, the liver becomes enlarged and then the deposits of iron in the pancreas and the heart and the joints that can cause serious damage to mm. the tissue of your own. No, your interest, uh, Damien, is that you have it and your dad has it, isn't that right? My dad has it, my mum has it, I have it and both my brothers have it. Right. So how does it affect you? Um, I'm very lucky, PJ. I was caught pretty early. Um, my father, and I, I told you this story last year, um, my dad went to the doctor many years ago, I think in his 30s, and he, was, and he just went, he had chronic fatigue. He had, the, the typical symptoms are chronic fatigue, or, you know, a sense of arthritis, diabetes, just, you know, uh, just not feeling well, mm. just not feeling well at all. So we went to the doctor, got a blood test. The doctor said, you've very elevated liver function, Mr. Boylan. Go away and don't drink for a month. Right. So my father walked out, amazed, was going, gee, sorry, fair enough. If that's what the doctor says, that's what the doctor says. Did as he was told, came back after a month, another blood test, blood test. Doctor came back and said, Mr. Boyle, don't waste my time. You didn't take my advice. Go away. So my father's baffled. So over the next couple of years, it didn't improve. And finally, somebody said, right, we're going to check for hemochromatosis. And they checked using what's called transfer saturation and serotonin ferritin, or serum ferritin. And my father's um, iron count was up to 48 yeah 4800 4800 where the normal person would have an iron count of in or around 50 what yeah yeah it was huge I was a wonder he didn't wake up pointing north every morning you know (laughs) so like over the course of a couple of years and it's quite a while they did what was called phlebotomy on him so they take a unit of blood and a unit of blood takes about a quarter of a milligram of iron out of your system Um, but as a consequence of that, we were all tested. And we right. all have. Right. Um, but do you know what? Peter, if you were to pick something to have, it's the easiest thing to treat in the world. You don't need drugs. Right. How, how you, is it treated? All you do is you give a unit of blood every two or three months. That takes a quarter of a milligram of iron out of your system. Right. That's and then all. Life go- that's it. Life goes on. Crikey. That's, that's the treatment. Simplest thing in the world. 
so like my point is, you know, it's simple to detect. Mm. You know, it's a blood test. It, it can be done in, in seconds, sent off, come back. Yeah, you've elevated transfer saturation, you've elevated certain levels. It's probably hemochromatosis. And then it's simple to treat and there's no drugs involved. And according to the Irish Hemochromatosis Association, there's mm-hmm. about 20,000 people walking around and don't even know they have it. Correct. Correct. It's frightening. Absolutely frightening. And in the past, people would have been, you know, they would have died, they would have got, um, you know, cirrhosis of the liver or whatever, and they would have been accused then of being secret drinkers and stuff like that. So people went to their graves, you know, you know with scandal around them that they didn't deserve. You know, it's, it's the Celtic curse. It's one of the things we've given to the world. We gave the world a lot of good things. This is one of the bad things we gave. Yeah, I, I was reading that. We, we have the highest incidence of it in the world. Why, yeah. do you know? Not a clue. I don't know. Some people are pointing at the famine and things like that. I, I, look, it's, it's a genetic thing. Obviously, a couple of thousand years ago, there was, there was some couple that had it, BJ, and, and their progeny spread it amongst the population over here. So what can we do, you know? We have it now, but... Yeah. You know, but it's so simple to deal with. That's the killing bit. So if you're feeling kind of a bit off constantly, get yeah, it checked. I mean, look, if you've got chronic fatigue, okay, if if you've got arthritis, if you've got diabetes, if you've got a liver disorder, if you've got you know an irregular heartbeat, or if, and this is the bit that most of us have, if you're very dark skinned, right? No, my mother, my mother invented the story that you know. Because we're related to Sullivan Bear, there's a couple of Spanish sailors that that were involved in the family. Your mother sounds like great cracker parties. Yeah, she is. <laughs> great, great, great woman with a couple of gin and tonics. No two ways about it. But um, but the fact is, look, this is a this is a genetic thing. It's it, it's right. almost exclusively Irish. We've exported it all around the world. Um, we're just we just want to to, to be. You know, that simple blood test. So if you're feeling chronic fatigue and you're feeling a bit off and a bit naff and, and just go to the doctor and ask to test for hemochromatosis. Correct. So simple. All right. So simple. All and right. It, it and if there's any history of it in the family, definitely oh, well, check. Oh, definitely check without a shadow of a doubt. And I mean, if, if you do get, um, you know, a positive back and it says, yes, you, you have hemochromatosis, you tell all your family, get them checked. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's the simplest thing in the world. And you don't take and you just give blood every so often. That's great. Thank you for that, Councillor Damien Boylan. He and his dad and his mum all have hemochromatosis. And this is Hemochromatosis Awareness Week. And you might have it because there's 20,000 people walking around with it undiagnosed in Ireland. 1850-715-996. Just some more of your suggestions. Do you remember what we said? We said you can see any artist you want or band you want this weekend. All right, we'll give you two tickets anywhere in the world, living or dead. Who would it be? Louise Whitney Houston in her prime, the best of all time. Sheila in Mayfield. Rue Paul, what an entertainer. Pat says Rory Gallagher. Oh, yeah, I saw Rory in the City Hall or somewhere. Brilliant. Uh, a few more, let's go down. Loads of Elvis is coming in. Uh, PJ, I saw Roger Waters, The Wall, years ago, but. Pink Floyd would keep me content for life. Elvis by a mile, Elvis by a mile. Garth Brooks, ABBA. Thank you, Mary, for that. Two tickets anywhere in the world, living or dead. Who would it be? Oh, wait, three. And it all comes from this marvellous, marvellous song, which I don't know what genius decided to start using this on the lottery ad. It's the Elvis song. Um, it was an Elvis song that I had 
no idea even existed until it went on the uh, on the the lotter ad, lotter ad, and it's just if I can dream, it just gives an idea how how wonderful it must have been to see this man with this enormous voice. There must be light can you imagine it? The whole place would shake to that voice. Yeah. Got to be yeah, so, who would it be for you? Barry Manilow in Vegas is another one that comes in on our list that people would love to see. Uh, Mary Jane says, uh, Nile Rogers. oh yes, saw Nile Rogers at the Marquee, Mary Jane. It was like being back in Chandra's. The amount of music that the guy has produced and written and worked on for people and to hear him perform it over, over two hours is just phenomenal. Yeah, actually, aren't we so lucky in Cork and haven't we been so, so lucky in Cork to have the marquee because if you look at the artists it has brought to us over the last 10 or 15 years we are so so lucky to have had it and here's hoping it comes back roaring into life in 2022 but I digress a little bit keep those coming 083 396 96 96 loads of them coming in Andre Rue thanks Finbar Led Zeppelin says Ted oh yes 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 yes, yes. right uh, toilets come up in conversation frequently these days because we're asked to live in the outdoors, we're asked to get together in the outdoors, we're asked to, you know, congregate and meet people, our friends in the outdoors. And when you're outdoors, well, you need a toilet. And there's a shortage of them. And uh, particularly for older people, like, you know, young people like us, we can all, like, hold our whittle and go home. But it can be harder as you get older uh, to to delay nature's call. And Paddy O'Brien's been wandering around just looking at uh, the lack of toilets, particularly for older people. Paddy, good morning to you. Good morning, Pete, James. We have a shortage of them anyway, but if you're an older person, it's harder again. Well, I think the, the big problem here, PJ, and I'm sure your large audience will appreciate this, that for the last 14 months, our elderly population has gone through hell. They've been isolated in their own homes. They can't even speak to friends. They could, their own family members could visit them. And every day was like a day in prison. Right. They were looking forward to the day they go to town, have a freedom, have a bit of independence. And that happened for a good few of the people I spoke to the last few weeks. They go to a cafe. We won't mention names, a cafe. And during having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, they ask about the toilet. And they say, sorry, you can't use the toilet. Mm. And this is the situation in many of the toilets in cafes and restaurants throughout the city. I think it's most unfair. And it's very sad. I was speaking to a breeder Graham yesterday of the Echo, and he was telling me that people have told me they're not going to court. They can't go to court. They can't court anymore. What is, I mean, this is sorted out. Now, I'm not looking for new toilets for the people. I'm saying that the, this policy adopted by these little restaurants, small restaurants, small restaurants, small little cafes, who are, who are allowing people to eat on the outside, that these people would gladly accept their money, mm. but would not facilitate them by using the, the toilet. The, the only problem it. is, Paddy, <clears throat> that the public health guidelines don't allow them to to let you use the toilet. Well, okay, that's it. That's it. And that, that, that is another point, but I think it's important that somebody must make the move. It's absolutely creating problems for elderly people. Um, when we think of when we think of the pandemic. Most people automatically look at the elderly, thousands of elderly in their own homes. They've had, adhered to the rules and regulations. They wore their masks. They remained indoors. 
Plus, I think the, the, the prospect now is that many older people, certainly those from, say, 65 up and 70 up, they're all vaccinated now. So, so letting them in to use a toilet is, is zero risk, you would think. That's for definitely PJ. That is correct. You're right there. And I've spoken to one or two restaurants myself. We won't mention names. And I said, then you're being most unfair. They're not going to arrest the place. And if you're doing if that particular, all it entails is that once in, in a senior citizen with the toilet, when they come off, of, and remember your staff go off in and do the sprays and do it. And that's it, I think. Um, if the, the, the calls I'm getting from elderly people, I think it's based in one yeah. of heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Looking forward to go back into the city again. Some of them went to mass in the city church and they made a friend or friend and go off it and, and be told this. Now, I have to say this as well, that it's not just the, the cafes, the cafes who are guilty. Garages are the same way. Yeah. Garages are the same way. And I had personal experience there. And when I knew I was going to do, speak out over this, to both the radio stations and the echo, I went around to a few garages myself. Yes. Uh, on pretense. And then, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. You now, would they be me? garages, Paddy, who would not, and I know some of the bigger ones do, but some, would they be garages that would normally have a toilet open to the public? Oh, yes. Yes, yes. I went to one, one nice garage, one good garage, way out on the old, old road, uh, way out there, towards the end of the barn, and I asked, and there's, there's, no, <clears throat> there's no problem, they said. Oh, sorry, they said no, they said no, but I went to one near Duns, Duns, Stores in Belfalan, and she said, no, it's no problem. Once you're making the purchase, there's no problem whatsoever. The, and the majority of people I'm speaking to, um, as you explained there, where they go, they're, the order comes on to uh, for an elderly, they want to go to the bathroom, they want to go there and then. Now, I know, and I'm aware of it, I've been told that the larger stores on Partridge Street, they have, they have toilets for their, for their customers, of course, but there's a queue there, and you can be queuing for 15 to 20 minutes, mm. and that's not on for um, elderly people. No. And I'm not suggesting for a moment that members of the public can just walk in off the road. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm mm. saying is if you're a client doing business, spending spending your money there, I think if there's a toilet on the premises, there's a toilet there. Yeah that yeah. they should be allowed to use the toilet. Shouldn't there be a, a, a priority queue as well for, for the vulnerable people who need yeah. a toilet, rather than yeah, having yeah, around yeah, the corner, yeah. do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's for, 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 for definite. Um, because these owners, I don't know, they realise what they're doing to the people to say, mm-hmm. to say yeah, you can use a toilet when they want to go to use a toilet, but yeah. they want to use a toilet. And again, I come back to it, Paddy, as I said a while ago. Like, if you take someone, I mean, like yourself now, for example, right? And they, okay, you're, you're, you're fit and healthy and well able to get around for yourself. Thank God, yeah. Good for you. But, like, when you want to go to the toilet, you want to go to the toilet. But you're, you're vaccinated now. You're no threat to anybody. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I would make the point that it's both to breed the gram. Yes, I said this. this is a, I think this is a valid point. That, um, and I read recently that's about. 85% of elderly people are on some form of medication, mm-hmm. right? As a direct result of that, they might want to use the bathroom more frequently than other time, than other than other people. Yes, yes. And, and I'm, saying, I'm saying now this morning on the 6th of them, I'm appealing to the people, the owners of the garages and these stuff, to realise for one moment what they're doing. 
And then I'm going to get very, very personal telling what they said to the garage owners. Would you like if your own mother or father went inside in a city restaurant, wanted to use a bathroom and just told no, what, what, what that would mean? And I think they should change their minds with, with the Department of Health as well, as you said, double vaccination, and there are restrictions being lifted, and I think this should be lifted long ago. Yeah, for people who are vaccinated. I, I, exactly. Yeah. I said, I said this, another, another situation as well, that many years ago in Cork, there were public toilets. Yeah. There was one, one, one of its minerals in Portsquay. There was one on the South Mall on the Green Patch, quite adjacent to the electric bar. That's right. There was one on all of... They're all, all gone all of, all of, And they're all gone. Now, um, we need more now than ever before because we have the bigger population and we have more tourists coming to the country. But I'm, I, I, we want that. But I'm saying, I'm not saying that we have to wait until they're built while they're can go out. The elderly looking forward to go to town. They're the free travel, go and meet friends and they use the toilet. It's very, very, very little to ask. And you know what, Paddy? We've talked a few times during this and, and, and that it's been very hard for the elderly people. Are they are they re, are they struggling now? That's been going on so long. They are, they are, and I don't know if it sounds an alarmist or anything. But I'm speak, I speak to elderly people every single day. I speak to people in hospital and nursing homes, and I speak to people at home for the last uh, fourteen months. And there's a point of bringing so many every day, and by their voices, I know they have changed. The elderly in red rain. They say, "Oh, hello, Paddy, full of chirpy, you know, uh, you know." Uh, a happy voice now mm. they've gone through depression sadness mm. loneliness all the I just want to describe what, what they went through because you and know they what they're, find, you know, they're, they're, they're in the twilight of the years and, and they're afraid that they'll never get back to normal in time to enjoy the twilight of the years that's the word that is the word PJ that people are using and people are using it to me I'm afraid to go I'm afraid to do this people <clears throat> must try and get their independence back again Get back again, go off on for, for walks. Um, I have uh, some professors saying recently that it's going to be very hard for everyone, not just elderly people, mm. to uh, familiarise themselves with big crowds again. The teacher in the school. Yeah. I think used to big crowds there, but I think you use the word and the right expression. Elderly people are nervous, they're afraid of, they know, uh, what, what's going to happen to me. Uh, they must adjust now to the situation. They had the vaccinations. Yeah, they're safe and, now, uh, but they're still afraid to go out, though. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Oh, they are, they are afraid. I know people are still not going out. I know elderly people who still haven't gone, to mass, haven't gone to mass since the mass has returned. And right? That's, and that's a, a shame. That's afraid a shame. and yeah. nervous. And I think that uh, the Department of Health, <clears throat> the people are so responsible for making, making the final call here must and should do something now, now, because the people they've spoken to, they're full of joy going into town, the thrill going in, meeting their old friend that would, they would not met for months and months and months and months over a year, and suddenly they're confronted with this new policy, with this policy, sorry, you can't use the toilet. Teddy, and Paddy, I'm going I'm to leave it there for no reason other than time, my friend, but thank you as always for making your point uh, clearly and distinctly. If you have a premises, thanks Paddy, if you have a premises, be it a garage or a shop, and some elderly person wants to use the toilet, would you just let them? They're vaccinated. They'll wash their hands. They'll sanitize their hands. They're vaccinated. Let them use the toilet. Have a, a small bit of cop. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Listen, there's smoke coming out of the text machine with people telling us the bands and artists that they'd like to hear this Saturday. If we could give them... Two tickets to any artist or band, living or dead. I'll get to more of them in a minute. That Naomi Osaka story, it's so sad. That that poor girl, such a wonderful tennis player, such a joy to watch with a tennis racket in her hand. And she's beaten the very, very best in becoming one of the very, very best. And I was thinking last night about, you know, her leaving the French Open and deciding that she may not play now for a while. Will she be in Wimbledon? Wimbledon will be the less without her because she's just such a a star. I have to say that if I was Naomi Osaka, I would be very angry with my management. Because these people, these stars, these tennis stars are surrounded, they're like a company. Like Naomi Osaka is the brand. Rafael Nadal is the brand. Venus Williams is the brand. They're the they're the one that goes out and wheels the racket and plays the game. But there's a company, a huge movement behind these people. Like there's practically a busload of people arrive with them. They all have a role in the Naomi Osaka machine. So did nobody really from her management talk to the media people at Roland Garros about how uncomfortable she is at the moment, how she seems to be unwell at the moment, because there are media contracts. You have to provide yourself for certain media exposure when you take part in in a sporting event like this. So did her management company or her management just let her down here and, and let her to say on her own, I'm not in a good place. I'm not doing well right now. And I don't want to meet the press because I'm uncomfortable in front of the press. My happy place is on the ten- is on the tennis court with a tennis racket and a ball. That's my happy place. That's my only happy place right now. And would you please just leave me, leave me alone a little bit and, and don't force me to do too many press conferences or any preferably press conferences. Did, did no one start that? I just feel very, very sorry for her. And I feel very sorry for... Someone who loves, for example, to watch Wimbledon, uh, she won't be there. And to, who watches the French Open, she won't be there. because she, And she's so flipping good uh, that the, the, the tennis is spoiled by her not being there. And you have to wonder, is it her management team are to blame? If you've thoughts, I'd love to hear them. 1857-15996. Now, here's something for you. Vespa Velutina Negrothorax. Vespra Velutina Nigrothorax. It's called the Asian Hornet. In the pictures that I've seen, it looks a bit like a wasp, but it's not a wasp. But it is in Ireland now, and it is very dangerous to our bees. And there's a research project at UCC where they've reached out to all the beekeepers in the country to try to look out for this insect and find out just how many of them are here 
Are they actually preying on the honeybees and the wasps? What is the problem? How far, how far into our ecosystem has the Asian hornet got? Uh, one of the researchers is Dr. Simon Harrison. Joined now, Simon. Good morning to you. Good morning there. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Now, to the uninitiated and the uneducated, it looks like it looks like a big wasp. But how would I tell an Asian hornet if I saw one in front of me? Well, uh, well, the first thing I can I can reassure you is is we don't actually yet have the Asian hornet here. Now, we've had one turn up in Dublin. It was it was dying on the way out, and uh, it is now thoroughly dead. And we don't think we have any others. So it it hasn't yet infiltrated Ireland. Um, that's not to say it couldn't get here again or it couldn't establish. Now, yes, what does it look like? It looks like, to all intents and purposes, a large wasp, but the, there are differences, particularly in the colour. So Vespa velatina nigrithorax, as the name suggests, if you speak Latin, it has a black thorax. And it's, it's uh, I don't suppose if you've ever, ever seen the, the European hornet. We don't have the European hornet here. Um, I was stung by one in France a few years ago. Uh, and it looks like a very large wasp. With I've seen them in. I've, I think I might have seen them in Spain, Simon. That's right. They're, yes. a, a, they're an aggressive little bugger. You just get away from them. You, yes, that. You know what? They're not as aggressive as the common social wasp. Uh, we used to sort of play with these as a kid. We'd stamp on the nest and we'd run away, <laughs> uh, we'd be, and we'd get stung, of course. But they're they're, they're not hornets aren't as aggressive as wasps until yeah. you start to threaten the nest. The yeah. the Asian hornet, though. Uh, is now in, in widely established in, in in Europe, and as I said, it has a black thorax. Looks like a large wasp with a black thorax, and and it shouldn't be confused with. And unfortunately, it often is. It shouldn't be confused with an animal called the greater horntail wasp. Now, these these things are quite common in Ireland. They're part of our native uh, flora, and uh, they're very much part of our ecosystem. And they look like a large wasp, but they have this large ovipositor coming out of the abdomen, uh, abdomen, and people will say, well, that's a large stinger. So people often think the horntail wasp, which is quite innocuous, it doesn't sting people, that's a hornet. Well, it isn't. So that's what people are likely to confuse with the Asian hornet, but it's completely innocuous. If you see something with a large stinger coming out of its rear end, it's not a stinger, it's simply where they lay the eggs, and it's a perfectly harmless animal. So um, there you are, yeah, the Asian hornet, it's got here, but... Uh, haven't haven't yet established. What is the concern, Simon, were it to take hold? Ah, well, yes, if it were to take hold, then the concern is to, well, largely from beekeepers, well, from two people, the beekeeper and the ecologist. The ecologist says the Asian hornet is likely to prey upon lots of our native pollinators, like flies and wasps and and other things like that, that are very vital for our, our pollination services. It's the beekeepers who are most worried because should the Asian hornet established, it, it preys particularly on uh, bees. The thing about a hornet compared to a wasp is a hornet uh, takes much more protein, is a much more predatory animal altogether. So a wasp will typically be attracted to, to carbohydrate like jam and fruit and this kind of stuff. Um, but the hornets are much more um, voracious predators and they will catch uh, and kill and eat uh, other insects and feed them to their larvae. And the, and the and the hornets are particularly good at preying on honeybees. So and the Asian hornet even more than the European hornet. So yes, they are a risk. The curious thing is, in their native range in China in Asia, the honeybee over there has a, has evolved 
various mechanisms to deal with the hornets. They can defend their nests quite well. If a hornet invades the nest, they can crowd around the hornet and they, they generate a lot of heat, what's called a, a sort of a big ball of honeybees, and it'll actually kill the hornet. So they have wow. evolved adaptations to deal with it. Our honeybees in Europe just haven't learned to do that. So they're much more vulnerable. And they think that some hives in, in, in parts of France where the Asian hornet is very common, they can lose up to 30, 40% of the, of the bees through predation. And the bees are much less happy. They're much, less dis- they're much more disturbed. And they gather less nectar and pollen. They make less honey. So it is having a serious impact on mm. honeybees in the continent. But that's in areas where the Asian hornet is very abundant. Yeah. Is it dangerous to man in any way? Not, and not any more than a wasp. No, it isn't. I think uh, people see a hornet and they think because of its size, uh, it's going to be very dangerous and aggressive. Actually, they're less aggressive than wasps. Mm. Uh, and uh, unless you, you do what we did as kids, which was stamp on the nest and run away, <laughs> they, they ain't going to come after you. And uh, the sting is probably no, more, uh, no worse than a, than a wasp sting. So right. they're, not, they're not a great danger. I mean, look, if you have an allergy to, to, to stings, then yes, they're dangerous, but just like a wasp. Okay. Okay, so beekeepers are keeping out for them. They're not here yet. They've had one who th- you think is on the way out in Dublin. I suppose if you, you'd hope they hidden, there wasn't another one and they didn't get time to breed or anything like that, you know? Well, that's right. They, they, they come in. They, they, the thing is here, the females, uh, the queens, emerge uh, from their hibernation in spring. So if you see a hidden hornet in spring, it's likely to be a mated queen who's mated uh, the previous autumn. And these things are primed and ready to go to make what's called a primary nest. Um, and they, 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 they seek out places to hibernate in, like clay pots, bits of wood, any, anywhere outdoors where there's got a nice little tiny crevice out of the rain they can get in. And those things can be imported, like pallets, clay pots, garden furniture, mm. uh, pots of trees. And these can potentially spread the Asian hornet from much more likely our, our European neighbours, uh, Portugal, Spain, France, Belgium, mm. Netherlands. Uh, could we invert? Could we, when we do get on holidays again, Simon? Could we inadvertently finally bring them home ourselves? Oh, most certainly that could happen. Uh, it, it will happen again, absolutely. Uh, these things are very good at, at getting into little crevices, particularly if you're coming back late in the season. Uh, you know, in a camper van or things like that, where we can we can inadvertently bring back these things. What I would say, and I think this is the saving grace here, is that the Irish climate is not wholly suitable to the Asian hornets. I, I say that with a degree of caution because one never knows, but they're certainly, uh, they are in the UK, but they don't establish in okay. the UK. They keep getting these, these, these hornets coming across, building a nest, but there doesn't seem to be any uh, establishment. Okay. We just think the climate is not suitable, and even less so in Ireland. So that's, that's the good news, I think. All right, listen, thank you for being with us today. That's uh, Dr. Simon Harrison from UCC, one of the lead researchers into the Asian hornet. I think that the, the more... These stories of how insects thrive and survive, just fascinating. Like, in their own part of the world, the honeybee has learned to defend itself against the Asian hornet. That's incredible evolution in nature. 1850-715-996. Right, are you going to go on holidays after the 19th of July? Are you planning it? Or will you hold out until next year? They did a survey in the UK which said that a lot of people seem to be thinking they'll hold out until 2022. And is one of the reasons you'll hold out because you'll still need to get PCR tests 
for the kids. Uh, let's go quickly. I'll actually go now, Terry. I won't do the. I'll go to. The, I'll do the break, and we go then. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Dairy Made Premium Spread, one hundred percent natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. So, 19th of July, according to the government guidelines, is when international travel can reopen. In other words, when we'll be able to travel for a non essential trip. Now, it might be a holiday, and, and great if it is. It might be an essential trip to see a family member that you haven't seen in a long time. That's essential. It might be something that's not quite work but you need to be there. But non-essential international travel can commence after the 19th of July. And the first thing you'd wonder is well, has there been furious activity over the last few days on all the booking sites where people are booking? Have travel agents been rung off the phone uh, with people trying to get away in the end of July. Now, we kind of made a decision as a family when we saw that last week. We said, you know what? No, no, we're going to hold off until until 2022 for any number of reasons, but just kind of that's just our choice. And talking to friends over the weekend who I thought would be running up the first gangplank to get onto a plane to get out the gap on the 19th of July. They won't be doing it either. So, And they did a survey in the UK where they said a lot of people just know they'll just hold off a bit until 2022 and see how it all pans out. But let's check in with uh, Pat Dawson, Marriage Travel Agents Association. Is is there a surge, Pat? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Uh, no, I wouldn't call it a surge uh, as, as such, but certainly there's a difference in you know in the in the radio silence let's call it for 16 or 17 months and certainly people have been inquiring and on websites and stuff like that and and getting the details because it's still uh, a bit cloudy out there as as to the 19th of July and you know the PCR testings or whatever else going on and then there isn't capacity loaded uh, at the moment I, I had a meeting with the management of Cork Airport a few days ago and they're certainly loading extra capacity and they will have a big capacity uh, both with Aer Lingus Ryanair and other uh, other airlines so uh, the, the Cork capacity will certainly climb up to what, what it is at the moment and predominantly um, uh, su- sunshine capacity but certainly no there isn't a surge uh, at the moment but certainly there there is a much better interest in it there, than there has been for, for the last uh, 12 months or more yeah. I was interested looking at that, that uh, research from the UK which was printed in one of the newspapers um, that you know, a lot of people are kind of holding off and say, look, we'll, we'll give it maybe until later in the year or we might even give it a skip until the spring of 2022 just to see how it all pans out. After so many false starts, like we thought we'd get back out there last summer, then we thought we'd get out there for the winter and then we had the surge in January. I think people are a bit, they're very wary now, Pat. They are, yeah. They're, and that's, that's, that's reading it correctly as such. And, and, and that will, that will certainly go on for, for the next number of weeks and, and th- things are organized. And it's a sort of case of where, you know, soak it and see and, and see how everybody else is getting on. And I mean, 
up to um, up to uh, re- recent weeks, uh, I was saying to all in sundry, look, I, I didn't think we'd be going until September. I was surprised uh, when the announcement and and surprisingly surprised that was 19th of July, which is good. But uh, at least, you know, at least it's, it's a roadmap and it's a date that we can fix in on and the airports and, and, and the airlines. And I mean, you know, I don't know what it's costing, um, you know, airlines and airports and the staff in particular um, for, for every week that the airports are, 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 are closed. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to think of that as well. And certainly, you know, we're hoping to get tours uh, uh, in, in, into Ireland because, I mean, 20% of people staycations make up, uh, you know, hotels and guest houses capacities. The rest of it comes from all over the world. And, and you know, we can't be paying for this forever or, or, or children's children will, will be taxed to the hilt. So uh, the sooner it gets going, the better mm. and, and it's safe. And, and, and uh, uh, I mean, for example, you know, countries like Greece now, I just read um, last night that, that the government have said to, to uh, the people who are providing PCR tests um, no more than 60 euros. Yeah. And they've put out, there's a law there as such. And, you know, we're at, I think, average price of, 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 of 95 euros. Yeah. And antigen testing, which, of course, is anti, anti our medical people here. And, and yet, like you can, it, yeah. look, I mean, I mean, you can see, uh, look, we saw uh, big events in, 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 in England where there's two or three thousand at uh, some nightclub. They yeah. all got tested pre. Because what will put people off, Pat, I guess, is if a, a thing, if you want to go off to Mallorca, we'll say, uh, in in late July, early August, and, and mom and dad are vaccinated, uh, but you've a clatter of kids, you've two or three kids, they're not vaccinated. So PCR testing them is going to cost several hundred euro more. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it, yeah. Well, it's well. Do you see again? Ireland always comes out tops when, for prices because Spain and Portugal are only fifty euros. You know, and we're Still 95. 150 quid. <laughs> oh, I know. I oh yeah, I get that. I get that. But uh, you know, Ireland should be fifty or sixty euros as such, and then it mightn't be too bad. Certainly, yeah. It it, it certainly will, will 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 put people off. Now, children under six. They don't have to be. They don't have to have a a, a, a COVID test, but seventy, eighteen year olds do, and it certainly will will put people off as such. But then there there are people who who can't wait to get out there, and that's that's you know we we have seven million trips a year out of this country, and even even if a, even if a third of them travel, it'll be a hell of a lot. But it's it's a wait and a wait and see, and things need to settle down a bit more. But certainly. Yeah. Uh, we we look forward uh, as as travel agents be busier certainly at the back end of the year. Now that we are uh, going to be able able to fly again after the nineteenth of July, and given that people will, like we say, probably hold off for a little bit, doesn't it shine a very bright light again, Pat, on the decision to close Cork Airport for ten weeks? It does indeed, and I, I discussed that, and we, we went through the figures, and you know, and they were explained to me, you know, there, there is a, 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 there's two big items in that. A, a, there was a saving of, of eight million uh, euros on on the pricing, and 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 B, it was it was going to affect over three hundred thousand passengers as such. So from that point of view, 
uh, certainly as we expressed at the time and t- still express it that we are disappointed uh, it, it's it's probably uh, you know summoned by the Department of Transport and said look at uh, we, we, we have to do it then it's, it's much cheaper and that and, and I know for a fact that uh, many many people uh, are, are, are now flying out of Dublin the war booked out of uh, the war booked out of Cork uh, and uh, and of course the staff in Cork uh, have been laid off uh, uh, the Aer Lingus staff have been laid off on until uh, when it is closed, and, and that certainly is not is not nice mm. situation to be in. Okay, Pat, leave it there for now. Thank you as always for being with me on the opinion line on Corks ninety six. Pat Dawson, uh, the president of the Irish Travel, the yeah, chief executive of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Um, would you go? I mean. I kind of thought like this time last year I would have said if they said you can go I'd be up that stairs like like a bullet out of a gun uh, but not anymore you have to be careful of what's out there ahead of you do you know and talking to Julian Fair who's in Lanzarote talking to Julian last Friday on the show where he said look you can be careful coming out here there are still rules and regulations that have to be followed like if you walk off a beach in Puerto del Carmen to go to the car or go to the shop and you forget to put a mask on, you'll have Ola Senor from the Guardia Civil and they'll relieve you of 60 quid faster than lightning. That's not happening here. Never happened here. But that's... And there will be places to be open. Is there the business there? So, I don't know. What would you do? What would you do? Would you, would you hold off until 2022? What would you do? In terms of what would you do, what would you like to see? Uh, artists were still flying. This is a, uh, this is one of our best ones in a while. The people that you'd like to see. It was a Led Zeppelin. A couple of Led Zeppelins have come in. Regina's in ovens. Hi, PJ. I have chronic osteoarthritis and I've had a good few joints replaced, so I'm in pain a bit. But if someone said I could see Enya or Madonna this weekend, I'd crawl to see the Enya. Sail away, sail away. Yes, Enya. I look, they're in the castle. And I, yeah, yeah, Enya. Yeah. Thank you, Regina. Uh, Madonna. Neves and Carrigaline. The Rat Pack. Oh, yeah. Phil. Another, another Freddie Mercury vote. Uh, Monica. Elvis. Beyonce. Freddie Mercury. If they could perform together. Now, that'd be something. Well, you can only go to one, Monica. But we'll go for Elvis because that's the first one you said. Nick. Oh, the, Nick. Now, there's one, Nick. Oh, I love this. Nick would love to see Tommy Cooper. The genius that was Tommy Cooper. Yes, absolutely. Elaine Paul McCartney. Yes, Elaine. Stephanie St. Douglas. Hi, Steph. Uh, hi, PJ. David Bowie. I don't have many regrets in life, but that's one I ne- that I never saw him in concert. He was incredible. A couple of Roy Orbisons in there. A few Rod Stewart's. Lots and lots of Elvis. I think it's kind of because... I think it's kind of between Freddie Mercury and Elvis as to who the favourites would be. Uh, Thomas wants a ska weekend. Madness, the specials, bad manners, the beat, the selector. Ah, yeah, class. Carpenters from Valerie. I love it. Uh, South Parish, Rolling Stones. Harry Lawler? Sorry, who's Harry Lawler? The new one on me. 185715996. Okay, we want to go to do this now. Okay, uh, let's go to Don O'Sullivan uh, from Impact Our Community Matters and to Valerie Haynes, uh, both of whom are campaigning for a set of traffic calming measures in Noctahini. Don, I'll start with you. Where are these needed? Good morning. 
Good morning, TJ. Hi, how are you? Good. Yeah, uh, the, the, the speed ramps are going to be installed on Harbview Road from the bottom of Harbview Road from the Bakers Road and and they'll run all the way up as far as the turn off there to Ard Cullen by Tide Barry Road. Uh, we really welcome them that they're going to go ahead. It's going to go to public consultation. Mm. Uh, but look, the councillors, uh, I'd like to thank all the councillors. Firstly, yourselves, PJ, yourself and Fogel there have carried this for us and we really appreciate it mm. and everything you've done to highlight it. Uh, but I think the, where we need to be is where the community came together, where we organised the protest. They came out and supported it. They supported what we wanted. Mm. Like this, this campaign has gone on for about 40 years because yeah. my own parents were involved and the other parents as well and Valerie's parents back 40 years ago for traffic hanging measures. But look, we got a sniff that there was money in the LSE, the local area committee, that there was a pot of money there. So we kept lobbying the councillors, uh, like Frank McNugent, for putting the motion forward and all the councillors who came in behind it. Yeah. Uh, they organised a meeting with the city council engineers and that was really successful. It you know? really came to a head, didn't it, after the tragic death of, of Kimberly O'Connor uh, there last year. And, and that was that was where it really came, it really came to, to, to public uh, light. Bring in Valerie at this stage. Valerie, good morning. It'll be a relief because people do, do fly up and down that road. Um, yeah, um, yesterday when we got the news, it was um, I got very emotional. You know, it was um, it was an emotional thing because like after all the hard work that we had done with the campaign and knocking on every door and knocking yeah. Amy. Um, I should, after, sorry, I, I I neglected to remind listeners. Of course, you are Kimberly's aunt. I am. Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, behind the scenes, there was a lot of work going on with all the councillors that was with us from day one. Um, the Zoom calls with the Cork City Council, um, we really appreciated everyone that listened to us. The community came out, they backed us. Um, we didn't stop. We weren't giving up. You know, we said we'd keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, like, you know, there was plenty of work behind the scenes and we didn't want to stop because we didn't want another tragedy to happen on the road. Like, like... Nathanaheeny, the, the, the whole perimeter of Nathanaheeny has gone on for years and like hopefully now with these new um, structures that they will slow down the traffic for every driver, you know, because it is a long stretch of road and yeah. we need something in place. And it's so a main it's, road too. It's a main road, it's a motorway really, you yeah. know. So when so, will the work start now or do we know? Um, we're waiting on clarification now from um, Cork City Council. Okay. To um to go ahead with that, but we are so happy with what we're after getting. No, you know it's a, it's a big step forward. Yeah. For the Nakanini area, it really is. Yeah. So know. the funding is in place. So now it's just got to go to the process of getting it done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next step now. So hopefully that will that will come soon as well. Yeah. Huge welcome for that, Don. Yeah, definitely, PJ. You know the figure there that's being banded about is twenty five thousand euros. Uh, it's a good, it's a substantial amount of money, you know, mm. that's coming out of that budget. And I think, look, from our, from the outset of it, uh, you know, everybody welcomes this. But I think where we started out from, again, Anne Murphy from the Evening Echo took it up. She ran with the baton for us. And I think where it is is that where we started out is that we want, we were campaigning for the whole of Nottingham and Holly Hill. Now we have Harbourview Road secured. There is some speed ramps put in place there recently on Fillmore Road. That needs to be extended, and also then on Courtown Drive, Nottingham Avenue, 
and even other parts where, where I was listening to Trina there, Trina Dunley earlier with Skull Padre Pio. Yes. And if they need support, we're 100% behind them to get that over the line. Look, there are children, they're on the road, some have road sense, some don't have road sense. You know, children, our children are, are different, thank God. You know, but if the support is needed, we're right behind them. But we do need to finish this project. It's only one small step. Yeah. But when we get the speed restrictions in all of the areas, then that's where we, 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 we may sit down and have that drink and have that glass of beer or whatever. Yeah. But look, again, PJ, thank you. Thank you very much. No, no, it's, it, it, we, we were in, interested in it from, from the very start. And I think, Valerie, yeah. now that it's there, you've got the funding in place, the principles, so, you know, works has to happen, purchase has to happen, it has to be yeah. made to happen. So no, no undue delays now is the next message, isn't it? That's it, uh, you know, like we're, we're after trying up the last like, year and a half and we stuck by it. As I say, we weren't giving up. Our group impact, we weren't giving up. And with the backing of our community and the councillors that stood by us, you know, our voices were heard and we have to do it for our children and the elderly that's living in the area, especially with new housing estates yeah. going up and there are so much on the main road. Yeah, and of so course, this was, yeah. for, this was for Kim. She'd be happy now with you. She'd be delighted with you. Who wants to thank God? It's a positive step. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to upset you, Valerie. And no, I, no, I, no. I, I know you're going to get know, back like, to work. But these, these are happy tears for we're, we're after getting something positive put in place. So hopefully it will go the whole Holly Hill area as well. You know, this is a start. It's a positive start. Yeah. Just one, just to one, to your family, it'll mean so much. But to every family, it puts a level of protection in place that wasn't there before. Thank you very much, Valerie Haynes and Donna Sullivan from Impact. Our community matters. Eighteen. Remember, we did the first day. We did that story about how they were looking for the traffic calming measures. It took a while. Some people bailed in and they, they got some help. They got funding for the local area committee and all of that. And now they've got the go-ahead and the money to build these uh, traffic calming measures. And here's hope it'll get done quick, smartish, as they say. 1850-715-996. On Naomi Osaka, Kate says, like all sports stars, she should be given her space and left to do her talking on the tennis court, which is true. It's just true, Kate. The World Lawn Tennis Association has a rule that all tennis players must speak to the press after each match win or lose says John yes John you're correct they do and particularly with the majors like the French and Wimbledon in Australia in every player's contract there is a lot of talk there's a lot of small print about dealing with the media the point I was making with regard to Naomi's management is clearly she didn't decide yesterday that she didn't want to speak to the press that she felt nervous and anxious in front of press conference she didn't decide that yesterday so my, my thoughts are that her management company wasn't taking enough care of her uh, to to notice this and to maybe do something for her. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Just on toilets, PJ says, Ronica, our local library in Cove is now reopened, uh, and it's it reopened. It's loo to the public, um, not just the people getting books. So if you're downtown and you're caught short, you can use our loo says the that's that's in Cove on the vaccines lots of stuff coming in today very busy on all our platforms today PJ uh, would you highlight the 60 to 69 year olds who are only 
33% covered by the first dose of AstraZeneca and won't get a second dose for 12 to 15 weeks. Well, we were talking earlier on with Dr. Mary Favier, whoever sent that message, uh, and we were talking yesterday with Sam McConkie about the idea that you might just get a different vaccine for your second dose now in a few weeks' time. That may be going to happen, according to... Uh, Dr. Favier this morning. What's this? Mihalahan of RTE has put up what we're describing as an interesting tweet. Ah, the cabinet has agreed that homes built since 2013 will now face property tax. Oh, and a third of homeowners who already pay the tax look set to see their annual charge increase by about 100 euro. Some 3% of property owners could face a hike of more than 100 Euro. So Adam Higgins wasn't far wrong this morning when he said that they're not looking at any income tax increases, if they can avoid it, to pay for um, the pandemic payments and stuff like that. But there's Mihalahan of Morty that homes built since 2013 will face property tax. They didn't before. And for a third of homeowners, and I'm sure the devil here will be in the detail, and the devil here will be in the, de- in the detail, the property tax will go up. And straight away that is being, uh, shall we say, billed as Austerity 2021. Hashtag Austerity 2021. 100 quid on your property tax. If you pay it the way I do, which is, uh, I take it out of my paycheck every month. Um, 100 quid is probably about 8 euro a month extra. Uh, For me, if I had to pay it. But if I had a house that was built after 2013 and had never paid it before, well, I'd be looking at a bit more than that per month out of my wages. So you can see people might not be too impressed with that. I'm sure it's a story that will run and run for the rest of the day. Terry then reminds us, listen, lads, we don't know what we're talking about here. In the UK at one point, Terry was paying... Where was that? Was that Bristol, Terry, or where was it? Belfast, Belfast, uh, Terry was paying £150 sterling council tax a month. What? £150 a month in council tax. They call them rates in the north. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. James Last. Oh yeah, this is the, for the one gig you'd love to see if you had the opportunity for two tickets. The one gig, living or dead. James Last and the full orchestra. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson, I saw him. I saw him in the... Park in the 80s, magnificent showman. You can say what you want about him and tell whatever stories you want about him and the way his, after he died, the stuff that came out, that you can feel however you want to feel about that. But when I saw Michael Jackson in Parky Cueve, what a showman. What a showman. The original Smokey, says Sharon. They were brilliant, says Sharon in Clonakilty. Yeah. Uh, what services was Terry getting for that? For his rates, um, was it garbage collection? What was it? Says Craig, the trucker. I'm sure he listed for me there. If I if if I wait uh, on the holidays and people going abroad or staying at home, the price of hotels that they're charging for rooms are outrageous here. Cheaper to go up north or go abroad. That will always be a problem in Ireland. 
It really will. It'll always be a problem. You've got people who will hit you where it hurts in their pocket because you can because they can. That's the problem. We have an awful notion in this in this country sometimes. Just take that extra. And it's happening. Not everywhere. There's loads of places offering super value. There really is. I'm staying in a hotel in Dublin on the 18th of July. That's a uh, book that and it's going to cost, I think, God, what is it? With two rooms, it's 80 quid a room or something. Like, it's just brilliant. Um, and that's not, that's nothing like expensive because that includes breakfast and stuff like that. Um, on passports, my son sent his passport for renewal about three months ago. Still hasn't received it back. Love the show. You're doing a great job. Thank you very much. Yeah, the online seems, definitely seems faster, even though people would still be nervous about um, um, about the cyber hack and all of that. So, yeah, for your money in the UK, for your monthly £150 sterling, you get bins, lights, street, fire service, other local authority services, um, public bin collections, libraries and uh, in the mainland UK it goes to care services and all that kind of stuff. So your council tax goes towards a lot. But see where it goes to public bin collections. Uh, They're paying for it over there. Well, I suppose we do too but not as much, clearly. 1850-715-996. Kevin's point was, throw it up there till I see it again. Kevin's point was, I was paying more than that over a decade ago, but then again, I wasn't paying indirectly for the services they provided. So it does all balance out. Yes. 1850-715-996. Can we, before, I'd love to pick one more dream artist or dream concert that I would have said, well, I never thought of that uh, before the end of the show. We're getting Freddie Mercury and Elvis still streaking ahead. Um, a few Abbas in there now. But what would be the one? What would be the one? A few minutes more. What would be the one? Before I do this, uh, before I go to that, um, if you want to do something over the next couple of weeks, particularly as part of the Cork Harbour Festival, take a walk down our beautiful marina in Black Rock and have your smartphone with you because... There's a super idea that as you walk down the marina and look around you at all the historical sites, the story will be available on your smartphone. Councillor Kieran McCarthy, good morning. Yeah, morning, PJ. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. Lovely idea, Kieran. Where'd it come from? Um, well, basically, the fact that I can't give physical walking tours at the moment, um, and the people at the Cork Harbour Festival, their I suppose half of their festival actually is online; it's gone virtual, and they were kind of going well. You can't give physical walking tours, so what else can you do? So we came up with an audio trail. So you, you, you start at the, I suppose, the, the Shandon Boat Club's end of the marina, and then you actually work your way all the way down to the uh, the Black Rock Pier. And then there's about 22 sites kind of along the way where we've got a minute and a half and two minutes of you listen to the, the history and the heritage of that, of that particular site. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, the marina... And do I have to walk at a particular pace, or can I start and stop it, or what? No, you you start and stop it. So you use your smartphone. So you can you can you can pause and play. And if you want to not continue on, you can as well. Or you, if you want to sit down for an hour, you can. So we're we're just playing with this with this technology and see where it's going to to lead us. Yeah. Um, and the great thing with the marina is such a, a linear route. Like you, I, I, you, you don't have to pop up every now and again. Go, please turn, take a turn right here and a left and there's a crossroad. Just keep going. 
deep going. You can't miss it. It's right in yeah. front of you. And um, without going into too much detail, what kind of stuff in in a walk along the marina? And being being a, a local man, a Cork man here, what kind of things would I forget are there? Uh, the marina began its life as a dock for ships called the Navigation Wall. So late 1700s, this, this huge pier about a mile long came into being and there was water, especially on the southern side. So areas that are now Parky Cueve, the new marina park, um, the old Black Rock Passage railway line, like th- these were all just watered, water areas, completely waterlogged, and they were all reclaimed from the tide. Um, and things like uh, the Black Rock railway line was actually built across it. Um, and then we've got, during the time of the Great Famine, the dock itself, mm. um, the key wall was actually widened to create a walkway. And then as time went on, then there was a few... There was a Gaelic poet and a scholar, a man called Donico O'Flynn, or Dennis O'Flynn. He sent a proposal to the council going, you can't just keep calling it navigation wall. Can we come up with something quirky for it? So he actually proposed a thing called the marina, which was actually a name given to a, a new walkway in Palermo in Sicily. Right. So, so the marina is named after a walkway in Palermo, right. uh, which is actually still there. Oh, um, so all of this is on, how, do I, how would I go about getting it? Uh, if you go into CorkHarborFestival.com dot com and you, you you can go into the different events and you, and you'll see the audio trail and you just you just click on it and then, and so yeah you you basically start at Shandon Boat Club or where the new car park is and you kind of you work from there and you work down through a whole series of different monuments and you'd be surprised that there's a few things there you'd you'd, you'd pass and you you wouldn't see anymore because you're so used to doing the walk. Like yeah. there's actually an old drinking fountain completely in ruins actually at the start of the walkway right. up by Sandon Boat Club. Um and I there's think a I know that. Yeah. And then there's the remains of a of a of a trunk of a tree from an old ship which we kinda of go through and then there's a gun from the Crimean War and then wow. even the Atlantic Pond itself is a massive reclamation project to 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 pump water out in the eighteen forties and oh, there was a grand plan, PJ, to do to build this park of over two hundred acres to be the size of the Phoenix Park. Right. Where now Parky Creeve is and all the back centre park road and some of it was done in time, but not the vision they had in the 1840s. So the, 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 the walk goes through all of that and gives people a sense. And it's, as I said, we've got 22 sites, so they're about two minutes each. So Brilliant. if people want to read more, they can go on to my own, my own blog and kind of right. look into the deeper history if they want to. Sounds like um, an absolutely fascinating stroll up the marina. Councillor Kieran McCarthy, uh, the men behind it, as part of the Cork Harbour Festival, download it on your smartphone and the history of that short walk Great to celebrate in our history and celebrate in the history of such a beautiful place as the Marina. 1850-715-996 with a couple of more of them coming in. Where did we have... Oh, yes, D. I think... Yes, yes, D. D would love one more chance to see Cara O'Sullivan. I think that's a best way to finish. Thank you, D. D would like one more opportunity to see our beloved Cara O'Sullivan. Wouldn't we all? That's it, the programme today edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We shall see you tomorrow just after nine.